girls in an argument. Big argument on the pavement. Two little girls in an argument. Big argument on the pavement. They be arguing about man. Who they will like when they become a woman. So I join the conversation. They asked me to give them my opinion. I told them, look, a man is a man. No man is placed like a frying pan. Oh, be a man or manico man. Any man could give you satisfaction. Turn around and say she don't want no man who have cockabay. I says she only ignorant, you see. She don't want your friends to laugh at she. Well, a tiny one they calling toy. She says she wanted a saga boy. He must be working in the police force. Either a civil or working on the wharf. I tell she look, a man is a man. Whether he tastes like a frying pan. Before you get married, she will choose the man for me. Don't take no criminal because every minute in the hospital, she said, take a barrister, a minister, or even a doctor. Well, I tell she, man, a man is a man. You must mind what's their profession. Mommy, you must understand. Any man could give me satisfaction. in this island they run in competition some looking for taxi man and some looking for policeman well I want them to understand that no woman should pass their hand because even some of the men in jail some of them turn in female so you see my friend a man is a man Respecting me long, long reign They making blood to take down my name I've been breaking down walls Ever since I was small They could stand up tall and strong Like a wrecking ball I would knock them down They say that I carry too long Forgetting that the constitution is strong Instead of respecting me long, long reign They making blood to take down my name Let me 
Good morning. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe. Today we are honoring Soka Queen Calypso Rose. Born in Trinidad and Tobago, MacArthur Linda Sandy Lewis. She was born in Tobago, which is a smaller of the Twin Island nation. Many soca queens and calypso singers owe much respect to her. squeeze in one more from Calypso Rose before we go ahead and get into the headlines that we have coming up for you today. Enjoy. Who the hell descended from who? Brother, let me make you to understand two nations in the world is woman and man. Human race, face to face, all together in one space. We need this this song to be played worldwide for us to understand that the division is so unnecessary. She's absolutely right. Place to place, one nation, million days. If an Indian woman go with an English man, 
This thing is bothering me day and night. You talk about nation and black and white. This thing is bothering me day and night. You talk about nation and black and white. And nobody can say for true. Who the hell descended from who? Brother, let me make you to understand. Two nations in the world is woman and man. Human race, face to face. Call me a dreamer, but I'm looking forward to that day. Not sure it will happen when I am alive in my lifetime. But I'm looking forward to the day where it doesn't matter what we look like. or You know, we all just accept each other. Calypso Rose for that reminder. It's time for us to go ahead and get into the headlines that we have coming up for you today. Gotta say good morning to all of our listeners around the world. Logged on and listening on QMZRadio.com, the quality music zone, and JohnNoRadio.com for that non-stop party vibe. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Monday, March 6, 2023, Move It Monday. We are doing it not in Soka style, but in Calypso style today, featuring the one and only Calypso Rose as we continue to honor Women's 
History Month. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Tow World News on the Go. Join us every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on TikTok, Moments with Me Media, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on Twitter, Me Media Moments. And the me in everything is MI. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. Out of the Caribbean corner, Bahamians in U.S. organizing protest against government in Miami. Lawyers fight for man. They say the U.S. wrongly deported to Haiti. Uh, CISOCA probing cases of preteens pregnant with twins, and that's in Jamaica. Not sacrificing a soul, Federal uh, Police Federation head warns the government and a bust of national heroine nanny unveiled grange hails departed arif cooper out of latin america ecuador judge okays charges against ex-leader over the chinese dam four u.s citizens are missing after being assaulted and kidnapped in matamoros mexico that's according to the fbi in international news, Afghanistan universities have reopened, but women are still barred by the Taliban. Greek station master has been jailed pending trial after deadly train crash. Iran's supreme leader orders punishment for the schoolgirl poisoning. Negros Oriental governor and five others shot dead in the Philippines. And Taiwan warns China's military may take sudden entry. We do have an in my opinion piece. Could the African Union push Israel into international isolation? And stories out of North America, two dead and six injured after shooting at a Georgia house party with over 100 teens in attendance. Severe storms in southern U.S. kill at least nine people. After serving 38 years for murder, this gentleman has finally been declared innocent. And eyeing a run for president, Ron DeSantis wants to make America Florida. Senator Tim Scott is a different kind of Republican who could reshape the 2024 election. A U.S. federal agency is suing Exxon after five nooses were found at a Louisiana complex, and that's a follow-up to a story that aired last week. In business and tech news, Biden is expected to tighten rules on U.S. investment in China, and six unusual ways lazy people are boosting their bank accounts. Hmm. I might be interested in that one. In health and science news, why vinegar is so good at cleaning. Huh? Diabetes and obesity are on the rise in young adults, a study says. And tomorrow in health and science news, we're going to weigh in with the experts who have um, talked about medical advances in gene editing with ethical dilemmas. In Women's History Month, the perfect storm. In Sports news. NBA's Morant has been suspended for at least two games after gun video. And what has resurfaced? Of course, Deion Sanders' comments. And believe it or not, woman missing after more than 30 years and was thought to be dead. Well, she has been found. And King Charles, after issuing an eviction notice so he could put his brother Andrew in Frogmore Cottage, 
now turns around and invites Harry and Meghan to the coronation. Anyway, in a <laughs> air supply, coffee and chronics have been announced for St. Kitts Music Festival. Boy, I'm telling you, we're going to have the details of those stories and more after a little bit more from Calypso Rose. Here she is singing Calypso Rose. They say sugar's scarce, but that is a lie. You're getting sugar less when you go to the shop to buy. I say they're lying because I have sugar selling. So anybody could come to my sugar industry. <laughs> come any hour for your sweet brown sugar. You'll never regret be the sugar you Although a tiny nation, Tobago, in the Caribbean, it has had a huge impact on the world of music as the birthplace of Calypso and the birthplace of Calypso Rose. With strong folkloric roots, Calypso music has always reflected the lives and struggles of the people. But it is defined by its upbeat rhythm and vibe. And you can hear it in her music. We're going to start this one over. It's, I like this one from her. <laughs> they say sugar's scarce, but that is a lie. You're getting sugar less when you go to the shop to buy. Sweet brown sugar. Because I have sugar selling. Oh, yeah. So anybody could come to my sugar industry. Come any hour for your sweet brown sugar. You'll never regret. Be the sugar you're going to get. Just put your hands When you are a child and you're singing these songs, not understanding what you're singing, huh? Hands around me, waits. You're going to get the test. 
got to say good morning once again to everyone listening online. The Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com, the place to go to for that non-stop party vibe. Here is another one from Calypso Rose. Love me or leave me. She, We are honoring her today. Instead of hearing soca music, you're hearing Calypso today. It is Women's History Month. Well, that wouldn't do. So let me tell you what is my view. You better love me or leave me or live with this Dorothy. Every year in the Caribbean, the music and dance celebration known as Carnival takes place. And that is where Calypso Rose made her name. From morning to night, you're working with them, you're treating them right. Then they leave you alone with Irene Jane, they go now to Rome. This time you're coming to deeper down, cleaning ground, for monkey to run. As you talk hard, if they're sticking your back, you're out in the yard. You better love me or leave me, or live with this Dorothy. The time is too hard. one is called Voodoo Lelu. You're listening to the voice of Calypso Rose and we're going to be hearing her songs throughout the show today on Coffee in Tow. I must let you all know that we should have played her songs since last week. Thank you to Sunette for sending her over and her just a little bit about her her biography a mini biography. What do we call that? You see, before there was Soka, there was Calypso. 
kind of like when you think about reggae and dancehall. Before dancehall, there was reggae. A mini bio. Thank you, Sinead. It is the bottom of the hour and we're going to get started right after this one. Thank you to everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I appreciate you. Thank you, Calypso Rose. And it's time for us to go ahead and get started. And we are kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. So before I get into the stories, I jumped to the chat and I could not agree with uh, Javette anymore. Uh, the music has changed drastically, the instruments and the tempo, but even so, more so the lyrics. You know, there were subtle innuendos. Now everything is in your face. <laughs> um, and I tell you this, it is very hard for me to play current songs, extremely difficult because of majority of what I'm coming across in terms of, uh, well, so far, let me be honest, soca is not so bad, right? You have the few in soca, you're like, oh, okay, no, can't play those. Um, but dance hall, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it is sometimes too much for even me. But, um, you know, I remember when we were children and what we were listening to as soca music and um, dancehall music back in the 80s and the 90s. And our parents were like, oh, my gosh, that, what, what rubbish is that? And they would play their music and say, this is good music. Well, guess what, folks? I have to agree with them. Yeah, I have to. I think back then, and I'm not saying that, Poetry doesn't still exist in music, but back then it was true poetry. You didn't have to worry about turning down the volume so your kids are not hearing what's being played. Uh, you didn't have to worry if your grandparents could hear what was being played, right? Everyone could listen in. Everyone. Um, I don't know. Does it speak to our lack of creativity today? I think so. Yes, Javette, I think so too. I think it's a little a little laziness as well. Because uh, it's not even with the Caribbean music, it's even with um, R&B. Mm -hmm. um, there's some love songs that I, you know, you guys know I like love songs. Right. And when they start using words, to me... Um, vocabulary is very important and I don't think you need to throw certain words in a song 
or we need to understand that there's so many words that have different meanings, you know, for the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to use a curse word. It just throws things off for me. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning, Jafet. So wh- why did we lose this? Is it that when we're doing English language and literature, that has been dumbed down? Do they do Shakespeare still in school? And I'm not trying to see, I understand the, the, the birthplace of Shakespeare, and that's not the argument right now. But when you would read Shakespeare in school, it forced you to think. It really did. I have to be honest. Even coming from a family that speak Patois, Shakespeare was hard for me to understand in school. So I don't even want to use that as an example. But I had a conversation with a friend of mine this weekend and I think it's everything's just too easy now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to certain places, you're supposed to speak a certain way. When you go to certain places, you're supposed to dress a certain way. At least that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that has fell by the wayside now. You <laughs> kind of wear anything wherever you want to wear it. You put your hair however you want to, you know, you speak however you want to speak. And all of that is kind of accepted now. Mm-hmm. And for me, you guys know I don't like to curse. And I just always think, I think that there's so many words that we can use instead of. But it's just part of the vernacular now. Yeah. Yeah. Is it then that we have no standards anymore? Could that be it? For me, I'm going to say it's slacking. Slacking. It's slacking. I think the standards are accepted. As you say that, Javette, you know what annoys the crap out of me? People on the job wearing hair bonnets. The hair bonnets (laughs) that they sleep in at night to protect their hair they're wearing them on the jobs. They're wearing them in the airports. They're wearing them everywhere. When do you take it off? It's not just the bonnets. It's the pajamas. That too. I was going to get to that too. It's the slippers. It's the... <laughs> People don't even know how to show up to a job interview. I go and walk. As much as I say I dress like I'm homeless, right? I'm sorry. I'm not wearing my pajamas to Walmart. I'm not wearing my pajamas to to um, the supermarket. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I was at, um, where was that over the weekend? And the lady, young lady at the cash register, no bra, no bra. I heard, <laughs> I'm sorry. I grew up in a different era. And I don't care what you want to call me, but I do believe that when you are going to um, operate in certain spaces and places, for me, put yourself together a certain way. Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, so so my, my, my thinking on 
you know, I think, you know, if you're born 70s or 70s and 80s, and you look at the creative industry now, it's not just music, it's right across the board. You're going to say that it's at a low. Because when you look at movies, like I couldn't tell the last time I, I really see like a good movie that like a lot of times, like if I want to watch something good, I'd have to go back to watch like some old movies because a lot of the movies that are being made now are not good. Um, sitcom, the same, like, and, and it, you know, now I'm thinking that is it possible that most of the, the amazing creations, like in terms of art and, you know, stuff like that have been done already. So it's so like for these creative minds now that are young and upcoming, like it's hard to do something without feeling like you're doing what like Bob Marley did. You're doing what like Michael Jackson did or like you look at sitcoms now, like even black sitcoms like, you know, Tyler Perry is very revered. But when you look at his sitcom compared to what Bill Cosby, the Cosby show and some of those other um, black sitcoms, you're like, my gosh, like this is like garbage compared <laughs> to to what we were used to. The Jeff, the, the, the Jeffersons, you know, like those type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You never get like a Cosby show at Jefferson. Like it's it's kind of hard. So it, uh, no, I'm thinking like, is it probably like it's an unfair thing for them because like everything that's amazing in terms of the arts have been created already. So now, like they're left with like crumbs to create out of crumbs. That, that's why I look at it. I I would never say that everything has been created because our minds change constantly depending on what you put in it, depending on what you surround yourself with. And I would never say that the creativity is stifled. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I would never say that. You know, as you're talking about, oh, hold on a second, O'Neill. As we're talking about how folks dress and carry themselves and the example being led by the entertainment industry, um, has anyone seen the video of, what's his name, Kodak Black in court? Hmm. Um, he was dressed in his suit, odd choice of color. Um, but it was a suit nonetheless. Grill out of his mouth. Hair pulled out and put in a fro style. Other rappers have said that when they're going to meetings, depending on what kind of meeting, they put themselves together a certain way if they want to be taken seriously. But all the sheeple that follow them and dress the way they dress because of how they dress to perform on stage or um, how they dress in the streets, hold on to that for their life and say, well, this is me, accept me as I am. And not paying attention to the serious side of life. Everybody wants to be casual. We want to be casual with everything, our approach to life. Where are the standards? We need to reinstate them. I'm sorry, we need to reinstate the standards. You're not going to come to me for a job dressed a certain way and I'm going to hire you. It's not going to happen. I don't care how skilled you are. It ain't going to happen. 
You're not going to come in. Number one, you can't cross my door, my front door with your pants below your waist anyway. It's not going to happen. We have become very slack. Go ahead, O'Neill. My apologies. Go right ahead. I love creativity. Art imitates life. So the, the depiction of what you're seeing in terms of movies and sitcom. So, for example, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I haven't watched it, but I've seen some reviews. And they have made, uh, apparently made... Fresh Prince, somewhat of a drug addict or of sorts, um, you know, giving trouble, fighting, getting into fights, which was not the wholesome depiction of a wholesome black family that the original Fresh Prince was. Um, so I think Boozy came out and was saying, he ain't watching it because they turned Will Smith, I mean, Fresh Prince into a gangster. Um, to, so, you're breaking so, up, O'Neill. You're breaking up. Yeah. Any better at driving? So I don't know. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was saying art imitates life, and I mentioned a Fresh Prince earlier scenario where they have changed it up. So it's not that wholesome black family um, depiction quite like that anymore. And um, as it relates to artists what people are forgetting is that, that they are called artists because they are actors and what they wear are costumes so when i talk to busy signal for example busy signal will tell you that his clothes is his costume so we are you don't go to the circus and say a clone the clone is there to entertain you right so that's what we are being, this generation are becoming clones. They're so dumb and stupid that they turn themselves into a clone because they saw a clown, for example. <laughs> so it's, 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 yeah, it's really understanding that these are entertainers and because somebody wear a bonnet in a movie and somebody maybe walks to an airport in a movie in pajamas doesn't mean it should become the norm. And we live in a generation that is so... It's in this word called freedom. <laughs> we have to be very careful because I think um, this word called freedom and everybody's fighting for freedom, freedom for everything, freedom for this right and that right and everything is a rights fight when it doesn't need to be because there's a time and a place for everything and there's a season for everything. And when we start to understand that, then we'll start to respect that not everything is fit for everywhere. Mm -hmm. And goes it goes without saying, like literally, there's a lot of things that we accept today that isn't is is unacceptable. But this generation, because they're rebellious, feel like freedom is doing what I want to do, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, and that and like the tower of Babel, we're confused. We're we, this is a confused generation. I yield. Thank you, O'Neill. And when we when we talk about fighting for freedom, let us think about Rastafarians, right? Back when they were fighting for fighting for freedom, it was for good, to be accepted, to be included, right? 
Rastaman, if you watch them in Jamaica from my time growing up, clean as a whistle. Uno can't, no crease can't in a phone pants like for them. Well starched out, shirt button up, wholesomely clothed, let me put it that way. Right? I don't know. Where's our moral fiber? And nothing is wrong with fighting for freedoms, fighting for acceptance. But when we fight for the freedoms, are those freedoms beneficial to the human race? Are they beneficial to your um, community? Are those freedoms going to be used to uplift and educate, nurture? How are those freedoms going to be used? Everybody wants freedom. Like everybody wants money, but we're not responsible. We're very irresponsible, if you ask me. We're irresponsible with our lives. We're irresponsible with nature. We're irresponsible with free will. We need to check ourselves. All right, let me not let me not stray too far. Okay, so in the chat, uh, Carlton is the one who is on drugs, not the Will Smith character. You know, we talk about. And real quick, um, thank you for saying that, Joy, because it reminded me to mention something else. Go back to something else that um, was mentioned. I'm not sure if it was O'Neill or James. But art imitating life. So why does art have to imitate life? Why can't art set a good example for life? Hmm? You see, that's the problem. Too many of us are stepping down and nothing is wrong with meeting people where they are. But once you meet them where you are, why aren't you lifting them up? Why are you staying down there? What happened to the days when you were challenged to be better, to do better? What happened to those days? And I'll go back. And I know not many people are fans of Oprah Winfrey. And it's okay. But I'll go back to something she said some years ago. She said, I'm from the other side of the tracks. And as I started to make my moves, I started to observe. And I realized that there were other ways and better ways of doing things. And what did I do? I surrounded myself with the folks who could help me improve. And what does improvement look like? It's, it's different for everybody, right? But we need to get away from this idea, oh, I want to be the cool person. If you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And that is exactly what is happening. Everybody is falling for everything. Nobody is standing for anything. Parents are allowing their children to be the parents, telling them when they want to go to bed, when they want to go and come, when they want to do this, do that, do the other. And that's where it starts. When we allow the children to develop the mindset that they can do anything they want, no rules, no rules. So there's no accountability. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, O'Neill. No, I was, when you talk about art, I was saying art 
will always imitate life, but culture is what leads the way. So how your culture, which is which sports, music, socialization, um, your environment comes on a culture. So it's where culture is driving us. And culture has changed. And culture is normally led through art. So um, there's a reason why there's a very developed um, film industry and music industry in the United States. There's a reason why um, Kate Kane, if you want, when he spoke about murder music and the fact that it is funded by certain sectors of society, right? We'll mention it because we'll make it shut down. If we mention who that sector is that finance um, and live off murder music. But the reality is um, culture is always, and religion is a part of culture. Culture is how you define a, a, a civilization. And if you want people to be blind, then you're going to. So, so all of these music, for example, the black pool of music that speaks to killing people, every rap song is about badness and killing or beating or the um, calling women bitches and, and, and that kind of stuff. That's, that's how um, culture, and that's what we are rebelling against. Even with Jamaican music and the new youngsters that sing about chopping and shooting and killing, it's not like you can't shoot, sing about murder, but everybody is promoting murder through, through culture. And it, it's a copycat situation, and it's also a situation where um, it's all—it's always about the fad and what you know, the pop. What makes money today? Well, quick money, mm-hmm. quick lifestyle, quick wealth. You know, yeah, it's sad. But <sighs> what do we do about it? We, we have—we can only try to change it by addressing those. are in close proximity to us i.e our children nieces nephews the young minds so i'm gonna say this before i move on according to google what is culture and what is culture culture a set of patterns of human activity within a community or social group and the symbolic structures that give significance to such activity customs laws dress, architectural style, social standards, and traditions are all examples of cultural elements. All right. So first up out of the Caribbean corner, Bahamians in the U.S. organizing protest against government in Miami. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. A group of Bahamians in the United States and Canada are reportedly planning to protest against the administration of Prime Minister Philip Davis later this month in Miami, Florida. According to the head of the minor opposition party, the Coalition of Independence, Lincoln Bain, the protest is planned for March 23. They are organizing a protest because they are disgusted by the way they've seen the Bahamian government treating Bahamians as of late for many instances, including Bahamians at Parliament being arrested. And that's according to Bain, who insisted he did not organize the protest as there have been instances in which he and members of his party were arrested while trying to protest. Bain pointed to a recent incident 
when he was arrested along with others for unlawful assembly ahead of last month's summit of Caribbean community leaders, CARICOM. He said the group planning to protest in Miami is also upset that the police stopped him from trying to demolish homes in a shanty town last week. They're having a protest in front of the Bahamian Embassy in Miami. They're going to write a document that outlines their concerns and they're going to deliver it to the Bahamian Embassy. They invited us to come and be a part of this and to also speak and let the international media, American media, know exactly how we're being treated in the Bahamas as Bahamians and as political leaders by our government defiling our constitutional rights. Bain added that he plans to take the issue to the United Nations to ensure that Bahamian civil rights are not violated. Lawyers fight for man, they say U.S. wrongly deported to Haiti. This story also courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Paul Pierre Lios was deported two years ago from the U.S. to Haiti where he has been trying to survive a chaotic and violent country where he wasn't born and never lived. Both his parents are Haitian, but they emigrated to the French Caribbean territory of St. Martin, where Pierre Loss was born. The family did not apply for citizenship for him in either Haiti or St. Martin and later moved to the U.S. when he was five. He grew up in New York speaking English. Deported after a long delay because of a drug conviction two decades ago, Pierre, Pierre Lus, I'm just going to call him Pierre, is now in Haiti where he does not speak Haitian Creole, has been unable to find work and has little savings left as he hopes for a way to leave the increasingly unstable country. He said that you have to be mentally strong to deal with this type of stuff. A country where people get kidnapped every day. A country where people are killed. The 42-year-old financial consultant spends most of his days locked inside a house reading self-help, business and marketing books in a neighborhood where gunshots often echo outside. Lawyers for Pierre in the U.S. are still fighting his deportation order, leaving him in legal limbo. This as the Biden administration steps up deportations to Haiti, despite pleas from activists that they be temporarily halted because of the Caribbean country's deepening chaos. His case has become emblematic of what some activists describe as the discrimination Haitian migrants face in the overburdened U.S. immigration system. More than 20,000 Haitians have been deported from the U.S. in the past year as thousands more continue to flee Haiti in risky boat crossings that sometimes end in mass drownings. Cases like Pierre's in which people are deported to a country where they have never lived are unusual, but they happen occasionally. Pierre's parents took him to the United States so that they could live a better life and he could receive a higher quality education. When he was in his early 20s, he was convicted of selling crack cocaine. Because he was not a U.S. citizen, Pierre was transferred from criminal custody to immigration custody where he was deemed a Haitian national because of his parentage and ordered deported to Haiti. Pierre managed to delay deportation with several legal challenges because he was deemed neither a danger to the community nor a flight risk. He was released. 
issued a work authorization and ordered to check with immigration authorities yearly. He went on to become a financial planner. Then, in February 2021, he was deported without warning, and his lawyers don't know exactly why his situation changed. Lawyers for the nonprofit Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Organization in Washington have taken up his cause. We demand that the Biden administration bring Paul home. French St. Martin does not automatically confer French citizenship to those born in its territory to foreign parents, and his family did not seek it. They also did not formally seek Haitian citizenship, which Pierre is entitled to. Though he could not obtain Haitian citizenship, his lawyers have argued that he is not currently a Haitian citizen, never lived there, and should not be deported to a country with such political instability. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement said in a brief general statement to the Associated Press that each country has an obligation under international law to accept the return of its nationals who are not eligible to remain in the U.S. or any other country. An ICE spokeswoman said no further information about um, Pierre's case could be provided, including what proof does the U.S. government have that he's an alleged Haitian citizen and why 13 years passed before he was suddenly deported. In 2005, the Board of Immigration Appeals dismissed an appeal by Pierre's previous attorneys to halt his deportation, saying it is not necessary for the respondent to be a citizen of Haiti for that country to be named as the country of removal. Decker, who is his current attorney, disagrees with that finding. Pierre said that while he was being deported, he told immigration officers, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not from where you're trying to send me. Overpowered and handcuffed, he said he stopped resisting. As he boarded the flight, he recalled that woman were screaming and children wailing. Inside, he felt the same. Pierre did not know when and if he would see his family and friends again. After being processed at the airport, someone lent Pierre a cell phone so he could call his parents. They gave him contacts for a family friend where he could temporarily stay. Since then, gang violence has forced him to bounce through two other homes. Warring gangs have expanded their control of the territory in the Haitian capital to an estimated 60%. The UN warned in January that Haitians are suffering their worst humanitarian emergency in decades. Pierre says he saw a man who was driving through his neighborhood get shot in the face as bullets shattered the windows and pockmarked the man's car. As a result, he rarely goes out and relies on his faith for hope. He says he stopped going to church after he saw a live-streamed service in April 2021 in which gangs burst into the church and kidnapped a pastor and three congregants. Pierre talks to his parents at least once a week, focusing on the progress of his case rather than on challenges in Haiti. He hesitated to share his first impressions of his parents' homeland upon landing in Haiti two years ago. I had mixed feelings, he said. I wanted to see what it looked like on my time, not under these circumstances. And I know this story was a bit of a lengthy read, but I found it important that we should 
take the time. Immigration laws. Are there, is there an imbalance in the scales? Does this apply to everyone? Now, we can say, yes, his parents are to be blamed for not um, seeing to it that citizenship was established in French St. Martin, where Pierre was born. They took him to the States. I don't know if his parents are now citizens. We don't know the answer to that. We don't know if they're just legal residents. Still don't have an answer to that. But he was selling crack. But ho hold on, L. But here's the thing. He was in his 20s, early 20s when that happened. Many young people make mistakes, right? He turned his life around, became a financial planner. He wasn't but going anywhere. Was hold on, hold on. Oh, now. Go ahead, hold I'm on. Sorry. He turned his life around, right? He became a financial planner. So for nine, let's say for nine years, he's been doing good. He was given authorization to work in the country, right? He was given the authorization. So for them to give him the authorization, they must have felt that, okay, yes, you know, he's doing the right thing. And then it took them 13 years to deport him. And then you're deporting him to a country that he's not even, he wasn't even born in. All because his parents are Haitian. All because his parents are Haitian. Go right ahead, Al. Go ahead. There's holes in the story. And I think someone else agreed because, okay, so they said the timeline was he was selling crack in his 20s. They were going to deport him. They he be, uh, they were going to send him to immigration jail. So he put a pause on that with lawyers and was able to was trying to appeal because he was supposed to be deported. And I believe being deported was his punishment for selling crack. But he never served his punishment for selling the crack. I'm not saying that immigration is not terrible. That, that the laws here are flawed and they're skewed, especially depending on what country you're coming from. But there's there's missing pieces of the story. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he should be trying to file back for St. Martin, at least. Meanwhile, if if he can't get back into the U.S., I don't know what the law, um, the immigration laws are like there. Right. So it's, based on the story, L, unfortunately, even though he was born there, his parents did not file for citizenship for him there, which it's not automatic. It's not automatic for him because his parents aren't from there. Oh, so they don't, they don't do naturalization no. because you're born. No, okay. no. So that's the part of the issue too. So mm -hmm. where does he really belong? Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like he belongs in St. Martin, but because they don't have, they don't have naturalization, he would probably have to fight with the lawyer there. But the other part, like I said, I, I, the, I, the U.S. is messy and flawed when it comes to immigration, but it's hard to, I don't know, the empathy when it sounds like he didn't serve or his time for the uh, the crack situation because it sounds like it was his punishment. So we don't take into consideration L that of the fact that like someone has, so we don't take into consideration when someone turns their life around and for 
many years after. So it happened when he was 21, I believe, and he's now 42. So let's say 20 years later. We don't take any of that into consideration, even though um, early 20s, okay, early 20s, um, yeah, we don't take anything into consideration. No, we do. But our question is, did he serve the time? Because the article said that he appealed because he was supposed to be deported then. So, so okay. did he, yeah, that's the part. Okay, let me go back to that part. When he was in his early 20s, he was convicted of selling crack cocaine. Because he was not a U.S. citizen, he was transferred from criminal custody to immigration custody, where he was deemed a Haitian national because his parentage, um, because of his parentage, and ordered deported to Haiti. He managed to delay deportation with several legal challenges because he was deemed neither a danger to the community nor a flight risk. He was then released issued work authorization and ordered to check with immigration authorities yearly. So evidently he's been doing everything. So there are legal challenges. There are holes in the system which worked in his favor. So while he was in custody, wouldn't that be considered serving time? It depends on the state, but, or who the, you know, who the crack went to. That's what it's like. It sounds like he didn't. Because I, I do believe in like time serve and people redeeming themselves and stuff. But in this case, it'll be hard to prove because he never truly served the punishment for the crime because he was able to delay it. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, so I mean, my other, okay, so then it goes on to say in February 2021, he was deported without warning. And his lawyers don't know exactly why the situation changed. So when, in a case like that, the lawyers are not notified, at least, as the reason behind him being scooped up. Because there was a family, um, if I remember well, was it in New Mexico? It was one of the states that previously was a part of Mexico. Let me just say that. I can't remember if it was New Mexico or Texas or whatever. But the man, or was it California? Whatever. But the man, many years ago, I think he had a domestic um, abuse case. And that was over with. Over with, done. Moved on with his life, has his family. And a Sunday, I think it was a Father's Day, if I'm not mistaken, he was in his front yard and they came and got him and deported him. So even if you have done your time, does it even matter anymore? Yeah, that one was wrong, like dead wrong. They even did that to a Korean guy who, who was adopted, which there's a bunch of cases like that of adoptees being deported. They go back to countries where they know absolutely no one. Um, no, that was absolutely dead wrong. But his case, it, it's fuzzy. So... You issue him work authorization and you release him because there were legal issues. You couldn't really, I don't get it. But my, my, my issue is where does he belong in a case like this? And it doesn't say anything about his parents being deported or ever being deported. Now, how he got a passport, um, that's, that, that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he got a passport. The thing is, we don't know 
how he got here. We know he got to the country when he was five, but we don't know if it, they came on a visitor's visa. We don't know if at that age in um, St. Martin, what the uh, requirements are. We don't know. What, do, don't you get a birth certificate? I am clueless. I think, good morning. Good morning, Sinead. Unless St. What country was St. Martin? Unless St. Martin has birthright citizenship, he is going to, Haiti is the right place because his parents never naturalized. And in the naturalization process, often you uh, you can accept your minor child. And if that didn't happen, then all lines lead back to Haiti, in my honest opinion. Wow, because but that's where both parents are from. That's where both parents are from. He was vacationing in St. Martin when he did, or his parents were vacationing in St. Martin when they had him as a child. Had they naturalized in St. Martin, it would have been a different situation. But they didn't do that. So it, they did not help him or his situation. I, I honestly believe that his home, if you want to be as technical as they are being, is Haiti. It's unfortunate that he doesn't know anyone there and this has happened to him, but the steps weren't done properly. And and if we want to abide by the rules of technicality, we have to do the do what is told to us. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Maybe I'm being too cold, but No, it's not a matter of being is. cold. It's not a matter of being cold at all, Sonette. You know, because this can happen to anyone. And this is why it is so important as parents that we make sure to protect our children as best as we can. Of course, no parent is expecting that their child is going to end up in any legal issues. No, none. But things happen. Poor choices are made, right? You know the term young and dumb. And unfortunately for some of us, we have to live with the repercussions of those choices for the rest of our lives. For some of us, it's we, we are able to put it in Pandora's box and put the box in the back of our closet. But it's not that way for everyone. You know. So his parents should have sought to it that they established themselves in St. Martin when they were there. And they were there at least for five years. That we know because it, they left St. Martin when he was five years old. So that much we know. At least five years. How was, what happens in St. Martin? When you're born and you get a birth certificate, what, what goes on that birth certificate? And a birth certificate shows what? Your mother, your father, the place you were born. But oh, if in the, the hospital. country does not establish um, birthright citizenship, if that is not a part of their rules, there's something to do. I didn't look it up yet. I'll be, I'll be honest. I haven't looked and see if St. Martin oh, has I'm looking now, birthright sorry. citizenship. Huh? Okay. And then, like Julie is saying, you would have French citizenship in those countries because they're territories of France. Haiti doesn't have that, that um, relationship oh. because they're an independent country. Oh. Okay. They had to pay reparations to uh, let's not call it, what let's call it reparations. They had to pay reparations to the French. Yeah. They are not being held in the arms of the French nation, the of France, like Saint Martin, Martinique, um, and several other places. So that relationship is is severed. Ah, oh, yes, Sonette. Now that's starting to make sense. 
It's I'm, I'm, thank yeah. you, Julie, for helping. Don't give me all the credit. <laughs> oh, Anjili. <laughs> Anjili. Yeah, it's starting to make sense now. So let me go over to the chat. Jili says St. Martin is a French territory. You get French citizenship like Martinique. Huh. And of course, Sinead said, but they'd have to apply, right? You know how Haiti is seen by France. Yep. So now it all makes sense. Yeah. Putting it together. Yeah. Haiti would be where he would have to go, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because um for him he knows no one there he doesn't speak the language so now he has to learn it's like throwing someone in the deep and they have to sink or swim and you know you're gonna paddle your feet dog paddle until you can get it so should they continue to fight for him or should he probably seek to move elsewhere considering that he was born in um saint martin could he probably then try to see if a legal team can work on getting him there is there any possibility is it worth exploring that but he does i mean he grew up in new york speaking english do they speak English in um, St. Martin along with French? Or do they speak only French? Because even if he goes there and they speak only French, isn't that another barrier for him to deal with? Uh, I mean, just about everywhere in the world, you're going to find someone that speaks English. So, and it's not like he's a child, he's a grown man. So he should be able to uh, find ways to maneuver through wherever he is at. Because mm -hmm. isn't he in his 40s now? 42. I, I understand being thrown, in a, thrown into a situation that you're not used to, but he should have the wherewithal to uh, maneuver himself. Yeah, yeah. A plot twist that I'm reading this right here. It says St. Martin is Dutch. Part is Dutch and part is French. So yeah, they, yeah it, it, so they, 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 they are, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Two now, what side is he on though? Yeah, was he born on the French side or the Dutch side? If, if he can, see if he can get to the Dutch side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure his birth certificate has that information on it. So, um. Let's see what happens in the end for him. Hold up, but if he had a birth certificate, wouldn't that make this easier? I would think so. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say maybe he doesn't even have that. Does he know what hospital? The hospital could say if his parents should know at least a hospital, unless he's gonna, like what my mom used to tell me, I was born in a cabbage patch. I'm pretty hmm. sure there's a hospital that has the records. Something, something has to be there something has to be there dre morning i'm sorry you missed the story so what happened dre let me just sum it up for everyone who's just tuning in online on qmzradio.com and johnradio.com as well as everyone just joining us here on um clubhouse so lawyers are fighting for a man they say the u.s wrongly deported to haiti so here's the here's a snapshot of his life his parents emigrated to the French Caribbean territory of St. Martin. So more, so there goes our answer. 
he was born on the French side and Pierre was born there. The family, however, did not apply for citizenship for him in either Haiti or St. Martin. The family later moved to the United States when he was five years old. All right, he grew up in New York speaking English. He got into some trouble in his early 20s, right? Anywhere between 20 to 24. I want to say 20 to 25. 20 to 24, right? Um, got into some trouble and had a drug conviction. That was over 20 years ago. He's now 42. Um, he was able to fight his deportation order. He was moved out of criminal custody and put in um, immigration custody, right? He was able to fight being deported because of legal issues, right? So there are loopholes. Right. So he was eventually released from immigration custody and was given an authorization to work because he was not deemed a danger to the community nor a flight risk. He, and all he had to do was check in with immigration authorities. Now, fast forward 2021, he became and later he went on to become a financial planner right fast forward to february 2021 he was scooped up and deported without warning his lawyers don't know what happened why he got deported they deported him to haiti but he's not a haitian citizen can't deport him to saint martin because he is not a saint martin citizen either his parents failed to establish citizenship for him so clearly being born in St. Martin does not automatically guarantee you citizenship rights in St. Martin. All right. You have to apply for citizenship for, by a naturalization in Haiti because you weren't born in Haiti either, but your parents are born there and they can do that. They didn't do that. He was, so he's trying to fight the deportation still although he is um, already in Haiti. So I found something. It Give says, it to us. Give it to us. A person born in France or a French territory who has at least one parent born in France or a French territory, territory is also automatically a French citizen. Here's where the problem lies. Mm. Neither parent are citizens of a French territory. They're a citizen of Haiti. Haiti. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And it's a uh, I mean, that's that's where I'm done. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, thank you for highlighting that. And I, um, uh, Sonette did put that in the chat as well. Thank you so much. Uh, go ahead, Dre. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, they, uh, it's on a way, but yeah. They, 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 they deport him to the right place, which is Haiti, because the parents is from Haiti. And, um, yeah, so I, I just, so it says that St. Martin doesn't have, they don't do birthright over there, right? Right. Yeah, so no. automatically, if they didn't um, they, apply. They do. they do birthright only if you are a member of the territory. So I guess that answer is no, they do not do birthright. No, they <laughs> don't do birthright. Yeah, right. because the parents is from Haiti. So... 
automatically he'll be classified um, as a Haitian. So, yeah, they deport him to the right. They didn't make a mistake. They didn't make a mistake. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. All right. Case closed. Case closed. So now that if he wants to fight immigration to come back to the U.S., he will have to, he can't include the fact that he doesn't belong in Haiti because that's where he belongs on a point of um, technicality because his parents are Haitian and never did what they were supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. He will can now fight it based on his clean record since being um, convicted. Is that yes or no? Yeah. If I were him, I would still appeal to the government of St. Martin. But the fact that he has a conviction in another country, it's unlikely that they will they will feel any sort of um, care or wish or desire to aid him. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to make a compelling case. And perhaps they would. Yeah. Tough pill to swallow, but life right yeah and drugs is hard to when you're trying to go to another country depending on the type of conviction it was and then again it doesn't i mean not all countries honor uh time served because you went and you were checking in and you were just working Mm -hmm. it doesn't really sit well with others but he could try to seek uh citizenship or even residency at least in another country like asylum based upon his situation but did he even try to pick up french while he was there <laughs> i don't know. don't know yeah like you you know you gotta survive yeah he was five he was five he was a Gilles reminding us he was five when he left um and usually when people leave at that very young age and they're put into another environment where where they don't have to use the language you know the saying if you don't use it you lose it you know no no that's true but he's been there for how long has he been in Haiti now oh in Haiti you mean pick up Creole okay yeah Creole excuse me pick up Creole uh, or you know two even... years two years yeah like that's what happens like when you're in the situations you gotta be able to, to survive so picking up the, a language would help I mean if you know French you can easily get into Canada and other places yeah but, um, I wonder if yeah, this is a tough one because he means he is like he's a man of no nation almost like that yeah born yeah. one place grew up in another place now living in another yeah. <laughs> oh boy um it's so unfortunate for him according to dre this political climate we're in i don't have much hope for him i, I yeah slim's a little slim unless um he gets to cuban and comes over <laughs> but anyway you know i can't say that on air but the truth is um the, if they're willing to fight it legally, we never know what can happen. Well, they have how many years to fight it before Biden gets out? Because I don't see Biden going back in. But um, based on this article, too, I, I think the Biden Biden administration is not too keen on helping the Haitians anyway. So I look at it as, brother, you better move to North Haiti um, or see if you can seek asylum elsewhere. But that record is with you so change your name and seek asylum elsewhere that's the best i can say for him you know other people get to change their names all the time 
people other people uh, you know we hear about the stories and stuff so you know do a name change by deed poll change your identity and see if you can seek asylum elsewhere i don't know if that's something you've um explored with your attorneys all right all right next up uh c-i-s-o-c-a probing cases of preteens pregnant with twins and this story is courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com the center for the investigation of sexual offenses and child abuse is conducting investigations into a number of cases involving pregnant 12 year old girls several of whom are expecting twins Minister of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport, Olivia Grange, made the disclosure while giving, giving opening statements during her presentation last Thursday before the Parliament's Standing Finance Committee that examined the 2023-2024 budget. The age of consent in Jamaica is 16, meaning anyone who would have impregnated a 12-year-old faces serious legal consequences. Grange shared the information on the pregnant preteens in the context of highlighting the work of the Women's Center of Jamaica Foundation, which operates 18 locations that extend care to pregnant adolescents. We have an arrangement where once a teenager gets pregnant, the center's program is activated. She noted that the law is allowed to take its course where an obvious crime has taken place. If that young lady turns up at say a clinic or a hospital it is reported to us so we get reference from cisoca or the minister of health and if it comes to our attention before it goes through those processes we will also contact cisoca she said there is a network that ensures that it is reported because it is an offense and also ensures that these young mothers pregnant teenagers are cared for through their pregnancy grange said the program offered by the women's center is an excellent one and she encouraged the private sector to provide support the minister also called on her fellow members of parliament to provide support to the centers located in their constituencies in 2020 about 500 adolescent mothers or expectant mothers were affected by the temporary closure of the women's center locations across the island. The women's center of Jamaica, and that was during COVID, of course, the women's center of Jamaica foundation implements the government's program for adolescent mothers under which pregnant teenagers continue to get to their education while receiving the necessary support to look after their children, including daycare services. But let me tell us something. Who are breed up? I'm like a I'm sorry. Who is having sex with these 12-year-old girls? Is it other 12-year-old boys? And if that's the case, if the people they're getting pregnant for between the age of 12 and 15, because 16 is the age of consent, between 12 and 15, what happens in that case? What happens? A 12-year-old is impregnated by a boy between 12 and 15. What happens? Is he protected because he's a juvenile? Okay, Joy says yes. All right, so now 16 and up 
and now they might impregnate these i need these girls they need to know who who, who, who they they need to give a list of who they having sex with is that's it? what i'm thinking don't they tell who the father is because you're 12 you're way under the age so they have to disclose who is it brother cousin neighbor father stepfather uncle grandfather who is having sex with these young girls these little girls need to speak up even if it's a case where you is a ripe 12 year old because we know and we're not gonna say that some don't um pass them place fly past their their nests yes you do have some little girls who are a little bit too forward and need to be checked and it becomes the adult's responsibility the consenting party's responsibility to put them in check and say no 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 go home little girl go home get away we should not no adult or no consenting person 16 and up should be engaging with anybody under the age of 15. they shouldn't be doing it so these little 12 year old girls need to speak up who were you having sex with and they need to be protected for speaking up it has always been an issue in jamaica you know i remember growing up in my later teenage years and my dad was a jp and he would have to sit in sometimes at court i don't know if jps still do that in jamaica but he would have to sit in sometimes and of course you can't talk about the details of a case but he would be very distraught about um these little girls that the mother bringing them to court because one big man sleep with them pitney and impregnate them pitney what's up with these big men and these little girls And could it be that they're not talking because sometimes mothers push them like a girl upon the big man them because food have to eat. And that's the only way they think they can feed, take care of their families. I have several questions, but right now, I doubt it too, and I doubt it's 12 to 15 year olds that are having sex with these 12 year old girls. And possibly 11 because some of them probably get pregnant while they're 11 and, you know, turn 12. Yeah, but we can't deny that this isn't a problem in the islands. Like, my dad was very, very um, aggressive when it came to, like, his daughters being around men and sitting on laps and no matter what. Like, don't be alone in a room with a man. Don't sit on a guy's lap. Don't let any, like, there was very firm rules in my house about that. Like, because I even had a friend, her sister was in DR, and she told me that um, her sister was pregnant. And I was like, isn't your sister only 14? And she was like, yes. And I was like, well, how old's the dude? Oh, he's like 21. I was like, what? And uh, she was said it wasn't like it's nothing because, you know, some in some of our um areas or communities there they promote like being with older men like it's seen as something i know in dr it is i know most people won't say it but it is 
And we need to like start changing that because it's not right. There's still children. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. That's Sorry, Javon. I saw you on mic. So, ugh. <clears throat> I have a, a family member kind of um, maneuvering through this right now. She has a she has a ten year old, but the ten year old has a body of a woman. T and A as a woman, mm-hmm. and um, the young boys are pressing to touch her and to experiment with her. And it's not just in the Caribbean. When I got to high school here in the States, there were so many young girls that had already had babies when I started high school in the States. Our children are getting their cycles earlier. So as parents, we do have to express, especially to our girl child, that it only takes one time. The other thing parents used to do when I went to school is I had friends whose mothers put them on birth control. And that was how their mother decided they were going to protect their child because they couldn't be with them every time of the day. So maybe as parents, we may have to start with that mindset again, do whatever is necessary. Um, Birth control does not work for everyone. I was a person that it, it didn't bode well with, but we have to protect our girl children you have to put that in your in their mindset that it's only going to take one time just one time without any protection and i yield thank you so much for that javette this is really disheartening i'm not lying let me jump to the chat real quick <sighs> um crystal said When our children are young, do not force them to kiss and hug auntie and uncles, cousins, or anyone. Elle says we have to be careful. And she's referring to birth control because pills are damaging to the body, especially during growth, when the body is still developing adolescence. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, because it's restrictive of the hormones. Like it can have lot long lasting effects um to the, the estrogen, to the different estrogen and cortisol levels, to the, the things that uh allow you to go through cycles and stuff like that. So you yes, they are improved now, but you have to be careful depending how young, especially if it's like eleven and twelve. Getting pregnant is also damaging. Yeah. Because I have a cousin who got pregnant at thirteen. And she said her insides has never been the same after that. I guess it's a risk we have to take, right? We know the damaging effects of um, birth control. Even for adults, there are damaging effects. For some people, they can't get pregnant easily. Um, for some, it, it's a whole lot, a whole lot that goes on. But what would we prefer? A 12-year-old pregnant 
like I said, my my dad's super duper strict. I remember the one time this is when we lived in Germany, his friend, um, because you know, in the rule in the house, you know, obey adults always. But my dad still had his rule about men. His friend picked me up and sat me on his lap, and I was trying to get away because I knew my dad because he told me to come over and say hi. My dad came in the room, saw me sitting on his lap, and went bananas. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like we, there has to be very, very strict stuff with the boys as well as the girls. Yeah, like, you know I, what? I'm glad you said that, L, because we tend to put a lot of the a lot of the pressure on the girls. Have they developed birth control for men? that will prevent their um, sperm from impregnating someone? Do they have that? Uh, recently, this year is actually in testing still, okay. but they did develop something like that. But, you know, uh, like I said, being strict with the boys, but also, too, boys are can be victims as well because there's things happening to boys at five. And yep. the culture around that is, oh, you know, he's a man already. It's good. But, no, that stuff is damaging mm-hmm. even when they're very, very young. This is just, this story breaks my heart. I think it starts by, you know, because we as Caribbean people and black people, but parents, some in general, we don't like to have the conversation um, about sex with our children. Mm-hmm. And we need to start having that conversation from an early age um, with them. Um, Crystal touched on something very important. You have to set those boundaries with your kids. Like, I know some people's like family member don't, don't make everybody come kiss, kiss your child. You know, I, I, I tell you this, I never gave my daughter a shower. I never bathed my daughter. And my daughter is 11 now. And people always look at me as I'm crazy. Like, you never, I said no. Because no man can come see her. If her daddy never bade her, give her a bat, she knows that is not okay for another man to see her that way. Right? So you have to, like, as parents, set boundaries. I remember one of my friends, um, this was an issue between him and his girl because he didn't want her. She was spanish so this was hard for him he didn't want her father kiss his son and he's trying to explain like yeah it's his granddad but if i do it the granddad do it the uncle do it then everybody he gonna think everybody can kiss him and it is hard as parents but you have to set just set certain boundaries from early so your your kids know that certain things is just not okay if they don't see their parents doing it. So um, you have to set those boundaries and have to have those conversations like straight up. They're not too young to have those conversations. As, as someone pointed out, some of these girls having period at 10. So you have to start from early and guide them. That, that's all I have to say. Okay. I just... Thank you, everyone, for your comments and your input in the chat and your voices. Um, that You're absolutely right. We need to start having conversations with our children. But we have an issue. How do we have those conversations? Because 
at what age do we start to have those conversations? Some people say it is too young. But there are girls, I remember months ago when Javed said there are eight-year-old girls who are having their period. And when you think about the food that we eat, especially in the United States, and of course it has crept into Jamaica because everybody wants foreign things, it changes your body. It alters your body. I am damn near 50, and I see 13-year-olds with way more hips and boobs than I have. I haven't gone past a B cup, four kids, and I'm still stuck. My, I've seen them, their hips are wide. And you don't know, if you don't look in their faces, it's your face. You can see the innocence in their faces. That's how you know these are little kids. So I when mean, do we have the conversation, L? And at what age do we start having a conversation with them? You should always have conversations about body, about body parts and touch. And it should be the adult conversation. Don't give them nicknames. Right. Give them the, the tool, because that's what my parents did for all of us. My dad, oh, my dad was a hoe. He, there's seven girls and two boys <laughs> and um, well, that we know of. And so we had the talk early just about our bodies, but you do it in stages. And then when they start hanging around doing, being, you know, being a little bit more independent and hang around others, you talk about don't let anyone touch you here or here and, and the implications of that. With my son, um, I did have that talk about, of course, his body parts and um, because he had issues with girls because of how he looked, my youngest one. Uh, we had an issue with some aggressive girls. We had to talk a bit earlier about, you know, keeping your hands to yourself, but also protecting himself because he wasn't giving the girls the attention that he they expected. Mm -hmm. So they did some pretty nasty things to him. Um, but uh, the talk, the big talk came with was about to happen when he was 10, when I noticed that uh, there were certain conversations happening around him. And of course, things on TV that he would see, even in cartoons, where it made me need to have it. And he actually when I was about to have it with him, he asked me because he was mature enough to have it wait till he was 13. And we just had the full on conversation. I kept condoms right out uh and even if they weren't having sex, I had condoms right out right there, just in case anything happens. And I always took every opportunity to reinforce it. Sometimes it was serious, and other times I always did it in a joking manner so they can laugh about it. Mm -hmm. He like one day you'll hear from him, he'll tell you about it. I'm embarrassing. But <laughs> that's what we have that's what we have to do. You know, we need to have those conversations early about their bodies and protecting themselves and, and giving them that independence. And that comfort, the biggest thing is confidence to protect themselves. Yeah. So I'm going to shift focus for a little bit. Just a little oh. bit. So we're talking about um, educating our children and what age we should start educating them at. Uh, Virginia made a point. She said, no age is too young. It's how we do it, as Elle alluded to. But let me ask a question. How now are we going to educate the parents who were not educated, who were not taught to call things by the right names. 
whose grandmothers raised them or mothers raised them and the only thing they heard heard was trying to carry a belly coming here or trying to go breed for no brock packet man that was that was the birth controller that was the talk the sex talk trying to breed for no brock packet man trying to carry a belly coming here so how do we re-educate that demographic now the parents can we re-educate them So, <laughs> so I was going to say that most of those parents are our parents mm-hmm. on this stage. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that there's no changing of them. So I think it's for us to continue it along, continue it with our family members. And I think the conversation shouldn't be a one-time conversation. The conversation should be on a regular basis. I don't know if you guys remember that I I mentioned that, you know, I have a group of friends that we meet Mm -hmm. and we talk about everything. And for the first time, my 23, 24 year old joined us (laughs) in that conversation. But anytime I had a conversation or found out something new, I came back and had a conversation with my child before she actually sat down with us. Okay. Cause it's not even just about protecting their body. It's their minds. Yes. It's their souls. So it should be a continuous conversation. I yield. Continuous. Thank yeah. you. Go ahead, James. Thank you, Javette. Yeah. So, so based on my experience with my kids, mm-hmm. I believe that parents, you just have to be ready for the conversation. You just have to, either you, you, you talk amongst your peers, like how do they have the conversation and figure out the best way to have it. Because in my experience, my kids always start the conversation. They always start it. Like we just have to, um, you know, answer their questions in an appropriate way and stuff like that. Like, um my two younger kids like my son my son is like six now but as young as like three he's asking like um he's like oh mommy daddy like my my big daughter is like um is that daddy's daughter and like would say yes and we're like but you know but she's not mommy's daughter you know like questions like that and we have to answer and say you know like daddy was in a relationship before and stuff like that and then he's like oh where do baby come from and you know and we show affection in front of them but we also let them know that you know this you know when mommy and daddy is kissing that's an adult you know adults do that like kids don't do stuff like that Mm -hmm. and yeah so we have the conversation They, they ask where babies come from we you know we talk to them we, we don't tell them about we don't talk about flowers and this we talk the about birds and the bees <laughs> yeah we don't talk about flowers we talk about you know the, the the right body parts we give it the right name and you know and no we, we we because like in canada you know that like lgbtq is like huge so like they 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 have friends in their class that have like two dads or two moms and they come home with those questions too so we have to answer those so you know, you just have to be prepared. And I, and I think it's, 
And that's why I've always said, like, relationship, like, I understand, like, you go into a relationship and you think that you're going to love this person forever and things happen and you separate. But I just think it it's common decency that even if you don't like the mom or you don't like the, the dad again, it's always helpful when two parents can have the conversation, even if you're not together. Even if you're not together, like, even if you, you separated, like, for the, the health and wellness of your child, two parents should have the conversation. And, you know, like, because in, in the case of Jamaica, like, I've seen it first and, like, I've taken, like, 12-year-old in my car to, to um, Victoria Jubilee. And, like, I'm driving and my, my, my eyes are just filled with, with tears because, you know, when I'm looking in the mirror and seeing this 12-year-old, like, curled up in her mom's arm crying and you look at her face and you're seeing, like, a baby that's what you're seeing and you're experiencing that real time and it, it's been happening for decades and ah i don't know the government they're failing they're failing our kids because i believe that if there's consequences like severe consequences from day one then people would think twice to look at a child in jamaica so they, they need to do better right. they need to do better the parents are failing them too like seriously the parents and the just, and the government or the public safety, but I most definitely lay that this goes to the parents. Yeah. Parents have to re-educate themselves. They have to want to re-educate themselves. And the, the truth of the matter is that not every parent is comfortable having the conversation. Not every child is comfortable having the conversation. So we have to look for ways to break the ice, to make each party comfortable to feel free to exchange, ask questions and exchange, have dialogue. It is so important. So if it means reaching out to a, a national community center and say, hey, listen, I want to talk to my, my, my nine-year-old because she has started, her breasts have started to come in. I need to talk to my 10-year-old because she started her menstrual cycle, but I don't know how to go about doing it. Get the help. It is available. People are there, but you have to want it. No, everything is not going to drop on your laps. Just as how you go out there and seek a job, go out there and seek information because it serves to improve you and your child's quality of life. And we, we, we're not going to just put the onus on um, young girls alone. For those of us who have sons, the facial hair starts to come in. The, the hair in the armpits start to come in. You notice the voice is changing. So, you know, we all went through it. We never born big. We all know the, the, the um, road that we had to take. That peculiar feeling, trying to navigate the transition from child to adolescent to young adult. So we know. And because of what we have experienced and our journey, that in itself should make it a little easier for us to have the conversation with our children. And I agree with you, Elle. Parenting is not about being comfortable. It is about looking out for your child and protecting your child. And I'm going to say this one more thing and then I have to keep it moving. When you are in settings, social settings, don't be just kiki kakaing and running your mouth. 
children are around. Be observant. Pay attention to adults and children. Watch the children. Now, make them come out of your eyesight. If they're running up and down, and a certain time go by, and I said, Whoa, where are these kids? Somebody get up and go looking. No, no, Dolly House playing around here. We have to be vigilant. Pay attention to the facial expressions of some adults. Them face light up some of them too much when them say, Look a picnic. And to Elle's point, no, no, sit down on the lap thing. Mm -mm, keep it moving. Pay attention. Be vigilant. Not because someone is a close family friend, a relative, neighbor. It does not matter. And I'm going to say this last thing. Listen to your children, folks. When they're telling you that they, they don't want to go to a certain place, and you are insisting that they go, you might just be forcing them into an unwarranted situation. Find out from them why. Why is it that they don't want to go? Is, are they comfortable? Are they uncomfortable? If they're uncomfortable, what is making them feel uncomfortable? Ask the questions. Do not ignore it and talk about, but is your auntie or is your uncle or is your grandfather or is my best friend and we've been best friends for years. So you no. And don't be so quick to push people into children into sleepovers. Don't be so quick for that either. And the being okay, sending them out of town. Our 18 year old, before he turned 18, wanted to know if he could go, go to Orlando with some friends. Hell to the no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It ain't happening. We ain't there. You ain't going. Asked again um, if he could go somewhere with another family. Hell to the no. Mm-mm. We ain't there. You ain't going. Mm-mm. Mm -mm -mm. I know that there's a cell somewhere with my name and number. So... I'm not looking to check in prematurely. You ain't going. And we explain the reason why. You cannot be quick to get rid of our children. We can't be. And push them on to somebody else. And like, oh child, I needed that break. Yes, we all need a break. But be careful how you're going about getting that break when it comes to your children protect your children folks all right i gotta keep it moving went on a little longer than i expected not sacrificing a soul police federation head warns the government urges payment of cops for delivery service or we work for the service you can't pay for you can pay for sorry story courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com in a militant, no-nonsense mood, Chairman of the Jamaica Police Federation, Corporal Rowan James, has declared that he will not sacrifice rank-and-file police officers to receiving salaries that make them worse off under the government's new compensation review. James is urging the government to pay those members of the Jamaica Constabulary Force for their level of service or we work for the service you can pay for. In other words, what you pay for is what you will get. 
James declared that I'm not going to sacrifice any member of the constabulary force. Before that, I walk away and I'll leave you because I'm not sacrificing a soul. To chairs from law enforcers at a meeting uh, at the Elliston Road Police Station compound on the weekend, James said it appears that the proposed salaries of rank and file members of the constabulary are being grouped with other public with what other public sector groups have agreed with or received. They, the government, are seeking to say they are guaranteeing a 20% increase, but it will be spread over three years. 10% in year one, 5% in year two, and 5% in year three, James outlined. What they have given us is what we have been grappling with and we have been saying to them it is not wise to take this to the members when in fact we're going to be worse off and the anomalies that we have identified it is staring us in the face the police federation chairman said while his team members are not actuaries the minister of finance and the public uh, and the public service dr nigel clark doesn't know who is behind the scenes assisting us and guiding us so it tells you colleagues that the government which is our employer, is saying to us, simply put, we do not deserve to be compensated similar to even our officer corps. And for that reason, I do not intend to sacrifice a soul. James explained that over the years, the police have caused themselves to be placed in a compromised position, so much so that our Minister of Finance can be speaking as if we are mendicants on the table telling who and who he's doing favors for but guess what happened colleagues i'm not going to stay here with a guy or i'm not going there with a guy because a guy can't point upon me all right so money is at the bottom of this okay money do right by the do right by them folks do right by them please government do right by them did you anyone hear about the story over the weekend lord forgive me where a policeman broke into another a, a man's house and the man chopped him up. So now he's fighting for his life. How the heck you going to be a part of the police force? Protect and serve what you're breaking into somebody else's house. Huh? I hope you live. I really hope you live. Next up, bust of national heroine Nanny has been unveiled all right let, let me take a look at this let me put the link at the top so we can have a look at what um you know what i've always asked oh lord um the images that we see of all the national heroes are is that how they really looked every single one of them just asking always wondered you know and sometimes you read books and they have images of folks Anybody else or is it just me and my weird mind wonder if this is how folks really look, if this is a true depiction of them? I don't know. Okay, so I did, I put a, I put the link at the top for my folks on um, Clubhouse. Bust of national heroine nanny has been unveiled, unveiled, sorry, courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. It was donated to the Jamaica Conservation and Development Trust, JCDT, by sculptor Mark Truenfels, who first came to Jamaica in 1989 as a United States Peace Corps volunteer after finishing art school in California. 
The initiative was part of a reimagined nanny project, and the 30th anniversary celebrations for the BJC MNP, Jamaica's first United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization UNESCO World Heritage Site. Speaking at Park's 30th anniversary celebration launch held at Hollywell, Minister of Culture, Gender, Entertainment, and Sports, Senator Olivia Grange, reminded the participants that Nanny is a source of inspiration and strength for Jamaican women of all ages. She said the activity has again raised the importance of Nanny and what she represents to her descendants, the Wynwood Maroons and indeed all of Jamaica. We must continue to collectively raise awareness and should seek to continually engage those who, through their actions, aim to negatively impact the forest, trails, archaeological sites, and other cultural spaces. Referring to the BJC MNP, the only mixed site for cultural and national heritage in the Caribbean, Minister Grange urged citizens to continue to aim to preserve the environment for current and future generations. This is especially important in the ever-increasing threat of climate hazards such as tropical cyclone events, droughts and sea, and sea level rising, all of which affect our lives, livelihood and cultural heritage. Minister Grange commended the work of site managers for maintaining the health of the National Park and for raising awareness among the Maroon communities, as well as Jamaicans at home and abroad. The anniversary celebration also featured a panel involving acting colonel of the Charles Town Maroons, Marcia Douglas, artist and winner of the Reimagining Nanny Visuals Arts Competition, Richard Natu and National Parks advocate and author Audra Peterman. And I'm trying not to laugh as I'm reading the part about um, we must continue to collectively raise awareness and should seek to continually engage those who, through their actions, aim to negatively impact the forest trails, archaeological sites, and other cultural spaces. And I think many of you out of Jamaica have an idea as to why I am laughing. Uh, <laughs> Kind of so like you throw in stones at Andrew, at Andrew Holness, right? When you think about the whole maroon town debacle that has been going on, for the want of a better term. Um, yeah, and they're wanting to pretty much, you know, destroy the cockpit country, so to speak, or give it away. I don't know. What's the right term to use? Is it destroy? Give it away? Give it away so them can destroy it? <laughs> but she's absolutely right we must continue to collectively raise awareness and should seek to continually engage those who through their actions aim to negatively impact the forest trails archaeological sites and other cultural spaces uh babsy grange olivia babsy grange i do ask that you take that sentence to parliament thank you um grange Hales departed Arif Cooper. I'm sure many of us, if we 
in our younger days listened to Fame FM. Arif Cooper has been with Fame FM forever. Heard the sad news over the weekend. The Minister of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport, Olivia Grange, has expressed sadness at the death of popular disc jockey, radio broadcaster and music producer Arif Cooper, who died while playing at a party at the Rani Williams Entertainment Center in St. Andrew early on Monday morning. Um, I think that should have been Sunday morning. They made a mistake. Uh, it is so sad that another of our outstanding personalities in the music industry has left us suddenly and at such a relatively young age. We saw Arif following his famous father, Michael Ibu Kupo, a founder of Third World Band into music and making his own name here in Jamaica and on the international scene where he entertained audiences in a number of United States cities and in Japan. Arif's versatility was one of the huge features of the man. He was greatly admired by his colleagues in the music industry, especially those whose careers benefited from his talent and by his fans. He will be sorely missed. Uh, Grange says she expressed her um, deepest condolences to his family, relatives, the RJR Communications Group, which owns Fame FM, his friends and his associates, to the music fraternity, his fans and his admirers. You have played a fine tune. Rest in peace, Arif Cooper. Anybody remembers him? He was, yeah, he, well, I used to listen to him a lot on um, Fame FM back in the day. Yeah, you know, no one knows the hour, they say, right? Um, Never know when our time comes to an end. I don't know. We're waiting to hear the cause of death. Sounds like a heart attack to me, I'm assuming. Um, May his soul rest in peace. All right, on the entertainment side, the brew out of the Caribbean corner, Air Supply Coffee Chronics announced for St. Kitts Music Festival. The first 10 acts have been announced for the St. Kitts Music Festival. The first wave of performers for the 25th edition of the Music Festival was announced on Sunday night. The performers include one American band, several Jamaican performers, and two soca artists. The next wave of artists will be performed in the coming weeks. So far, here's what we have. Air Supply, Coffee, Governor, Skilly Bang, Chronics, Valiant, Skinny Fabulous, Patrice Roberts, Grandmasters, Byron Messia. The St. Kitts Music Festival will take place June 22 to June 24. So anyone planning a trip to the beautiful island of St. Kitts, you can do so around that time if you would like to take in the St. Kitts Music Festival. So congratulations to those who are who have been announced so far and will be showing up and showing out. And that story wraps up our stories out of the Caribbean corner. We're going to take another quick break. Enjoy a little more music from Calypso Rose. We are honoring her today. It is Women's History Month. And instead of soccer, we're playing Calypso today. Thank you again to Sunet for suggesting and sending over some information about Calypso Rose.
Thank you to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone. QMZRadio.com for quality music while you work or play. Keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Keep it locked. Behind your husband, no he's dead and gone. So much misery and pain, it was sad inside. A little bit more about Calypso Rose. Despite growing up with a pronounced stutter and a father who did not approve of the carnival scene, Rose was drawn to it. In 1955, at the age of 15, Calypso Rose wrote her first song, Glass Thief. Inspired by real events, it was one of the first Calypso songs to focus on the unjust treatment of women.
Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com for that non-stop party vibe. Go ahead and download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Calypso had long been defined by its most famous male performers and many made their name by winning the biggest competition around the calypso king held at the annual carnival celebrations well in 1963 calypso rose entered the competition yes the ladies have entered the building performed her hit song cooperation and won the title of calypso king for that year no woman had ever won, so the title had never been considered exclusionary. A few years later again, Rose won again and again. All right, in 1978, the organizers of the carnival changed the name to Calypso Monarch, paving the way for more girls to enter the competition. Thank you so much, Calypso Rose. Never be afraid to step into uncharted territory. Don't be afraid to cut out your own path. You don't have to go where others have gone. And it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. Next up, stories out of Latin America. Thank you so much for this one. Calypso Rosa, staunch reminder. Leave me alone. All right. Okay. Yeah. You know, let us be reminded, both men and women, that we don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. If it is upon you in your mind, if it's something that you keep thinking about day by day, it keeps, you know, you feel inundated by some particular thought beckoning you to step out. And take on that challenge and accomplish that task. Get it done. You never know whom you may be opening the door for. Many doors were open for many of us. And many doors that, you know, those who opened those many doors, we don't even know who many of these folks are. But we are enjoying the benefits and the opportunities and the privileges because they were bold enough 
to take that step. We talk about um, our youth a lot. How are we molding them to be the change makers of the world? For good. For good. All right? Let us not instill fear, but faith and confidence, reassurance. All right, those are the things we need to focus on. Okay, thank you again, Calypso Rose. First story, Ecuador judge okays charges against ex-leader over Chinese dam. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. An Ecuadorian judge has approved prosecutors' request for charge to charge former President Lenin Moreno with bribery over a contract for a Chinese-built hydroelectric plant in the South American nation. The indi- oh, excuse me, the indictment, which includes 37 people in all, links Moreno to work on the Coca Coda Sinclair hydroelectric project, and states that the defendants received bribes totaling up to $76 million. Wow. As part of a corruption scheme that operated between 2009 and 2018, Moreno, who served during part of that period as vice president under the government of Rafael Correo, denied wrongdoing last month, saying that he had no responsibility in the contracting of the works of the complex. After the hearing on Sunday, Moreno tweeted that some of the arguments put forward by the Attorney General's office were arbitrary and inhumane. Judge Adrian Rojas decided as a precautionary measure that Moreno must appear every 15 days before the National Court of Justice. After the hearing, the Attorney General's office said on its Twitter account that Moreno and the rest of the accused will face justice for their alleged participation in the crime of bribery. As I'm reading that story, I can't help but think about, you know, how the, the, the Chinese have moved into developing countries. Remember, we said we're going to change our verbiage or, or words, right? We're no longer going to use certain terms, and I'm committing. <laughs> so they have moved into developing countries. Hmm. I wonder how many more cases of bribery we're going to hear about. With this one coming to light, I'm sure this is not the only one. When citizens of countries will protest or disagree, especially if there is a vast majority disagreeing, or when it is pounced on them, whatever the plan is, is or the deal is, is pounced on them, <laughs> like a jaguar in the night. And yes, I say pounced on because a lot of times things are happening in the shadows that we are totally unaware of. And it's when the ink has dried or when they're about to sign on the dotted line is when we're being told about these various deals, quote unquote. And many a times at a point when you can't turn back. Can't turn back because now... Too much is at stake. I'm just wondering how many more developing countries are going to have cases like this of bribery. Do you see why sellout can't done? Because somebody, no matter 
if you have a group of say 10 people you're gonna have at least one or two out of the group who gonna go against and what does the predator do the predator always finds the weak link always they know how to find them because they're busy watching and listening paying attention to body language and so on and so forth and then when the time is right they pounce on them and make them an offer that's so good and then they become the marketing managers of said plan right because they have to think about the kickbacks and the benefits that they're going to receive and so they sit down and they put this beautiful plan together great presentation you can't help but be sucked in by it and then you're won over not realizing that there's some deal going on under the table yeah matamoros mexico four u.s citizens missing after being assaulted and kidnapped according to the fbi story courtesy of cnn.com Four U.S. citizens were assaulted and kidnapped after crossing the border into northeastern Mexico on Friday. This is according to the FBI, which is working to locate the missing Americans. Soon after the U.S. citizens drove into the border city of Matamoros, Mexico on Friday, they were fired upon by unidentified gunmen, according to a release from the FBI in San Antonio. The agency did not identify the victims. All four Americans were placed in a vehicle and taken from the scene by armed men, the release said. The U.S. citizens were driving a white minivan with North Carolina license plates, according to the FBI. The FBI is seeking the public's help in locating the Americans and identifying those responsible for the kidnapping. The agency announced a reward of $50,000 for the return of the victims and the rest of those involved. The FBI said it is cooperating with other federal partners and Mexican law enforcement agencies to investigate the kidnapping. CNN has reached out to the FBI for further information on the victims and has also sought comment from the government of Tamaulipas. And I hope I said that right. Um, the Secretary of Public Security's office and the Mexican Attorney General's office. Matamoros, a border city of more than 500,000 people, sorry, in the Mexican state of um in that mexican state sorry just across from brownsville texas has been racked by violence and organized crime at least since the mexican drug war began in 2006. the city is home to the gulf cartel a once powerful smuggling operation that has splintered into small competing gangs that's according to the congressional research service on the same day as the alleged kidnappings for example police issued a warning to parents to keep their children home from school due to two shootings in the city um is this a kidnapping and the reason i'm asking if it's a kidnapping so they were assaulted after crossing into the border right um they were driving a white minivan with north carolina last and face taken from that vehicle placed in a, another vehicle by the arm by armed men i don't know why there's more to this hello hey javette 
I'm working from home today, so I can yay, speak yay. a little bit more. <laughs> so I saw the video of it very quickly this morning. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know who was filming it or why, <laughs> but they actually have like the whole scene of it on film. And only one person in the car was able to walk to the other truck that they were taking them to. Everyone else was being carried. But I still couldn't zoom in on um, the, I couldn't zoom in on who it was that they were putting in the car. But there are a lot of, even here, my family would say, we can drive to Mexico anytime we want. Mm -hmm. And I always say, no. I am not going to do that because I am aware of the turmoil, even in the different, even when you take a vacation to Cancun, you're being worn. So why would you just drive into Mexico? But so many people do it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the little bit that I saw, it does look like a kidnapping um, and I'm, and I'm I'm going to say kidnapping because uh, we all know from the news when you go into a territory that you're they're they're not expecting outsiders to be in, you're going to get taken. Hmm. All right. Yeah. At least that's my assumption. Being here in the U.S. and wanting to travel to different places. Right. 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 Um. Okay, let me see. I think uh, I, I'm i trying to see if this is the video. I'm trying to um, pull this up here. I don't know. And that happened in broad daylight, uh, Javette? Broad daylight. And again, I don't understand who was Somebody videotaping was still, it yeah. all. <laughs> in all honesty, I, I really don't understand. But it looked like a scene from a movie. Wow. All right, let me see if this is the video. I think I found it here. Let me see. Uh, waiting for this commercial to finish running. <laughs> um, hmm. I hope it's, and it sounds weird for me to say I hope, but I hope, hold on. Offering a $50,000 reward. This is for the return of four Americans kidnapped in Mexico. So that kidnapping happened on Friday. A car full of U.S. citizens drove into the border city of Metamoros, Mexico. You see it there on the map. It's just southeast of McAllen, Texas. CNN correspondent Rosa Flores, she's in Houston now covering the story. Uh, Rosa, you're familiar with this area of the the country. What more do we know about the circumstances? What kind of groups are are operating there? Do Do we have any idea at this point? You know, right now, the FBI is saying very little. Their statement only saying that this happened on Friday and that these four U.S. citizens crossed the border from Brownsville, Texas, into Matamoros, Tamaulipas, which is just south of where I am, uh, just south of the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas. Now, according to the FBI, these four individuals were driving a white minivan with North Carolina license plates, and shortly after they crossed into Matamoros, Mexico, that's where 
when they were fired upon by an unidentified individual. And shortly thereafter, the four U.S. citizens were taken from the scene by armed individuals. Now, the FBI uh, says that is asking for the public's help in identifying these suspects and that there is a $50,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest. The American citizens have not been identified, and the FBI does say that they're working with their federal and local law enforcement partners in Mexico. Now, about Matamoros and about this area, Matamoros is in the state, Mexican state of Tamaulipas. The U.S. Department of State has Tamaulipas on its do not travel list for U.S. citizens because U.S. citizens have been victims of crime and kidnapping. And so, Erica and Jim, this area, is known for this. Cartels operate there. Um, one of the reasons why I cover this in, in this area is because a lot of the migrants that we cover when we cover the border end up in these areas, in these very dangerous conditions. And so right now, of course, the FBI focusing on these four U.S. citizens. We do not have the identities of these U.S. citizens again, but the FBI is investigating and trying to get more information. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But here's here's what's interesting to me. Somebody's actually, as as you pointed out, somebody's actually filming it. Who's filming it? It's so much the norm that people film this. It's as though somebody stands guard to film this. But are we paying attention to travel advisory warnings, especially for specific states? Because every day, many Americans go across to Mexico, as many Mexicans come across to uh, the U.S. Mexicans come over to work and go to school and then go back home. Many Americans go over to have lunch and dinner, party, and come back. So... Where are the safe spots if you want to cross over? Shouldn't we be aware of those safe spots? So for me, at the border, <laughs> when you're actually at that border, if, if, and I have to tell you honestly, the only way I'm going to go into Mexico is by a cruise or some type of trip like that. I am not driving through Mexico. I, I personally don't feel comfortable with all that goes on there. I, 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 I hate to say that, but that's just me. But in Texas, because we all know Texas, Mexico, you know, you can step across the street and you're in one state to the next. Right. I would never go that route like these people did. Yeah. They didn't cross at a border. Which leads me to ask the question again, was this, something just seems off to me. I don't know why I have that feeling, Javet. I, no, I don't know why. You would, well, because the vehicle has North Carolina plates does not necessarily mean they're coming from North Carolina. It could be a rental, right? And you pick it up exactly. anywhere. It could right. be a rental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you pick that up anywhere in the country. But why would you cross at a point where there is no border crossing um, facility. You know what I mean, right? They do it. They do it here. I'm telling you, I've been a part of the conversations where it's like, yeah, we're just going to go in there for the weekend, come back. It, it It's a norm to some people. And I'm just saying now that I'm in Houston, the conversations I'm hearing and they're not crossing at the border. They're crossing at these other areas. I wonder why though. What what I wonder what is the reason 
for them doing that, taking that chance? Is it because they plan to take back something or take something in illegal? Because if, for me to go against um, <laughs> where would be safe and say, you know what, let me take this route instead. It means that I'm trying to avoid, and I'm just trying to think here, okay? So I may be wrong, folks. I'm not saying this is it. I'm just thinking out loud. Am I trying to hide something? Or am I testing this way in so that when I'm ready to come back, I can bring back something? I don't know. I mean, honestly, you never know. They could be just part of the community that smokes weed. We all know weed is legal in one place and it's not legal in the other place. But I doubt you can cross the border with weed. You just never know. You never know. Well, I hope they're able to... Um I hope they're able to find them. I hope no harm comes to them. I really hope so. You know which movie I just remembered? Um, that movie where the family went to Mexico and they in the um, RV and they brought back over a whole lot of weed stuffed. It became a whole mess. I'm trying to remember that. It, it, it's a comedy. Oh my gosh, I can't remember now. Anyway. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So now for stories on the international scene. Afghanistan universities reopen, but women are still barred by the Taliban. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. Male students have trickled back to their classes after universities reopened in Afghanistan following a winter break. But women remain barred by the ruling Taliban. The university ban is one of several restrictions imposed on women since the Taliban stormed back to power in August 2021 and has sparked global outrage. It is heartbreaking to see boys going to the university while we have to stay at home. And that's according to Rahela, who is 22 from the central province of Gore. This is gender discrimination against girls because Islam allows us to pursue higher education. No one should stop us from learning. The Taliban government imposed the ban accusing female students of ignoring a strict dress code and a requirement to be accompanied by a male relative to and from campus. Most universities had already introduced gender segregated entrances in classrooms, as well as allowing women to be taught only by female professors or old men. Old men. What's the difference between an old man and a young man? Can somebody explain the difference to me? Besides age. And probably a little more frail. But what is the difference? The mind. Does it mean that because some man is old, his mind will operate differently? I don't think so. If that were the case, we would not see 60 and 70-year-old men with 20-year-old girls. I'm just saying. You know, we tend to look at old, older folks and feel that they are innocent, right? And that, oh, they're not capable of doing certain things. But what about their thoughts? The mind never stops. So if you're not going to have any interaction by men, you shouldn't even have interaction with old men. Some of them are just as filthy, if not filthier, than young men. I'm sorry. 
Julie said, Julie, you are a hot mess. They can't get excited at the sight of her ankles. Julie, you're crazy. You're crazy. But it makes no difference to me. And it's really painful to see that in today's day and age that young girls, young women are being deprived of an education. Controlled by men. Men who in my <laughs> deal with your egos. What is it, Taliban? What is it that is so important for you to suppress women? Why is it so important to suppress women? What is it? What are you afraid of? Because we only seek to destroy that which we are afraid of, right? What is it? What makes you want to treat women as, be, as inferior beings? They're not just for sex and to raise your children and to look after you when you get old and gray and withered and you can't help yourself. That's not our purpose. That's not our, no, not at all. Greek station master jailed pending trial after deadly train crash. Story courtesy of aljazeera.com. A Greek railway employee has been jailed pending trial over a train crash that killed at least 57 people. The 59-year-old man's detention on Sunday came as clashes erupted between police and protesters in the Greek, in the Greek capital of Athens. Thousands of people had rallied in the city to demonstrate for better safety regulation following the head-on collision between a passenger train and a freight carrier on the Athens route late in the evening. Athens, sorry, Thessalonica route late in the evening of February 28. The railway employee who cannot be named under Greek law was the station master in the central city of Larissa where the train crash took place. He faces multiple charges of disrupting transport and putting lives at risk. The transport safety charge potentially carries a life sentence and that's according to their newspaper. Iran's Supreme Leader orders punishment for schoolgirl poisoning. Remember, we spoke about this last week. Uh, Iran's Supreme Leader has called for perpetrators of the schoolgirl poisonings to be punished as attacks spread across the country. Speaking on the sidelines of an annual tree planting ceremony on Monday, he said the poisonings are a major and unforgivable crime. And the perpetrators must face the harshest punishment for incidents that have spread fear among parents and throughout Iranian society. Negros Oriental Governor, five others shot dead in the Philippines. Story also courtesy of Al Jazeera. A provincial governor in the central Philippines and five others have been shot dead by unknown gunmen in the latest attack against local politicians. Police said six suspects carrying rifles and dressed in uniforms similar to those worn by the armed services entered the governor's home in Pamplona town and opened fire. Roel de Gamo, governor of Negros Oriental Province, and five others were killed in the shooting 
his widow said. Governor de Gamo did not deserve that kind of death. He was serving his constituents on a Saturday. Police said in a statement on Saturday that the conditions of the hospitalized victims were unknown. De Gamo, 56, is the latest to be targeted in the Philippines' long history of attacks on politicians and is at least the third to be shot since local elections last year. But I tell you something, it's going to be one thing or it's, it's one reason or another, right? Either it's a set up by other politicians who feel threatened that, you know, these particular politicians are going to win and take away from them. Or two, and these are my assumptions, folks. I'm not saying this is the case. This is my assumptions. Or two, folks are not happy about something that they have done. Not sure which it is in this case or in the other cases, but they don't just kill a politician for the sake of killing a politician or because they are bored and have nothing to do. They're either paid to do it or are doing it because of dissatisfaction. Go ahead, James. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's reprisal from, from um, what's his name? Gorte, the one that they call um, the Filipino Donald Trump. <laughs> um, be, because what, what happened when he was in power, like, he had like a no nonsense um, stance on, you know, like drug drug dealers and um, gangs. So mm -hmm. like, so his approach was like, whatever you do, don't bring them in. Just bring in the body. Um, it was very controversial, but surprisingly, a lot of Filipinos love him, like a lot of people, because they said that they saw like a difference in terms of the gangs and the drugs on the street. So. I think now, like, you know, he was only able to do, like, I think two terms. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that probably, like, politicians that were associated with him, maybe they're going after them now. I, I, I don't know. That, that could be something. Huh. Retaliation, huh? Yeah, because, because he disrupted, he disrupted the, like, the, the drug cartels, like, and the gangs, like, big time. Big, big time. So, so let me ask you a question, James. Why are we hypocrites? Why are we hypocrites? We talk about, oh, we want safe communities, safe streets, safe countries. But, but is that what we really want? Because when it's given to us, you have the, the um, oh my gosh, I'm trying not to use the worst names. But you have folks who just are not on board with that at all. They rather the way it was so that they can continue their devious acts. And usually it is a small, smaller group that want the corruption, that want the disorder. Go right ahead. I do apologize. Yeah, but, but I, I think like a lot of the people like, uh, like, okay, like on camera, it's it's one thing, but off camera it's a different thing, right? Like, if if you're watching the news and because the, the reality is that the same way, like we we're used to, like in Jamaica, where like the gangsters can come and kill and shoot and do anything, and then the police come and arrest them. Mm -hmm. And once there's no body coming to to say like to testify against this group or this person, you're back out because 
if you testify, your entire family get wiped out. So I think a lot of these government, like, like they understood that. So like they kind of developed like a force where it was like, this force was like a execution force type of thing. So for the, the, the average citizen that know what is taking place, it's going to be hard for you to come on TV and say like, okay, I agree that these guys are gangsters and just take them out. Like don't, like, like don't bring them before the law or whatever because they're just wa wasting time. They're, people are not going to come out and say that. But off camera, like I've spoken to a lot of, like especially elder Filipinos, mm -hmm. and they're like, I love this guy. Like they call him the Filipino Donald Trump, but I love him. That's what I've heard from a lot of um, people. And the people that are the people that are doing the damage are, are not. They're the gangsters. Remember, they lost a lot. The drug trade was like suffocated under his leadership. So they're probably like saying, okay, he's gone now. And anybody that was in parliament or whatever, and his daughter is big in politics now. So don't be surprised if you hear them going after her too, you know? So yeah, I, I, I think that's it. It's so sad, man. Kind of reminds me of a story I heard over the weekend. I came across on TikTok with the Jamaican blogger or vlogger that was shot down in um, St. Andrew. And some people are saying, you know, broad daylight. They rode upon him and just killed him and rode off. And people are saying that some folks in the community are saying that he was shining the light on a lot of issues. But he was also shining the light on a lot of good that was being done. Why must evil get away? And for those people who are doing the murders, why, I, I've asked this before. Why don't you ask the people who are recruiting you to pay you to go commit murder? Why don't they do it themselves? And the reason is they are afraid. They're scared. They're cowards. So they would rather put you in the line of fire. Not themselves. They're protecting themselves. You can't. They, they don't value your life. And this is what I don't understand. We don't realize that these people don't value our lives. And that is why it's so easy for them to come to you and say, Hey, me give you money. You're going to take care of something there for me. May I go give you a money? Don't we stop from it and say, whoa, but if anything go wrong, I mean, I'm going to catch you in a bird drink. No, man, may I go take care of your money. All right, man. And then you end up dead. Your family are holding belly bottom on a ball. And there's a thing called retribution. A drop off a head will drop on shoulder can't get you they're gonna get somebody for you so it never ends it's a constant cycle of gotcha 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 gotta get you get you get you it goes on and on and on 
Mama hold her hand on her head and a ball. What is for my father? What is for me? Why this have happened to me? But we don't realize that our actions, our actions have repercussions. We need to stop taking the payout from people who are afraid to do the acts themselves and those who value their lives and their families more than they value you and yours. Can anything happen to you? Them gone, them disappear, them don't know nothing about you. Never heard about you, never see you. And they have no respect for you either. Don't think they do. They have no respect for you. They don't care about you. They don't like you. They're only using you. Taiwan warns China's military may make sudden entry. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. Taiwan must be on alert this year for a sudden entry by the Chinese military into areas close to its territory as tensions rise across the Taiwan Strait. That's according to its defense minister. China has stepped up its military activities around Taiwan in recent years, including almost daily air force incursions into the island's air defense identification zone. However, Taiwan has not reported any incident of Chinese forces entering its what is this contiguous zone, I'm so sorry, which is 24 nautical miles from its coast. But it has shot down a civilian drone that entered its airspace near an islet off the Chinese coast last year. And it's a little more um, brew for us, entertainment news. King Charles invites Harry and Meghan to coronation. But it's unclear if they'll go. So would you go, folks? Remember last week we spoke about them being evict evicted, right? So after your dad evicts you from your home, would you accept an invitation to go to a coronation being put on by him, your dad? Or would you tell him to kick rocks? <laughs> CNN is reporting Prince Harry and Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, have received an invite to the coronation of King Charles III, but the couple have yet to confirm if they will attend. And that's according to the Duke's spokesperson. When speaking with CNN on Sunday, I can confirm the Duke has recently received the email correspondence from His Majesty's office regarding the coronation. An, imme an immediate decision on whether the Duke and Duchess will attend will not be disclosed by us at this time. King Charles and his wife, Queen Consort Camilla, will be crowned on May 6 at Westminster Abbey. The coronation will see three days of celebration across the country in which the public will be invited to participate. Buckingham Palace said the coronation itself will be a solemn religious <laughs> Can we remove religious service out of this? Because how on one hand you're gonna um, treat your son the way you do but then have a solemn religious service as well as an occasion for celebration and pageantry. You know what? Explain that to me. Where is religion? But why am I surprised? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say moments. Come on now. We, we've seen throughout history and even currently 
um, how religion plays a part in a lot of the negative, nefarious, and crazy ways of the world. And as, as I'm saying this, came across a video on TikTok. I reposted it, but I, guess what, folks? I downloaded it this time. I, I, I was good. Let me play this video for a quick second. Uh, where's the mute? How do I get it off mute? Where is it? Okay, here we go. Hold on. Yeah, man. Hold on. Fear the people, the wickedest woman on planet. Fear the, my mother that. Yeah, man. The woman who refused to talk to my daughter. So my daughter jack it. Come from foreign last night. And my daughter opened the gate and tell her good morning. And she looked right at the pit in the eye and walked right past and didn't even say hello. Yeah, man, see it there? I tell the people, when you pray for your little girl here, you know, pray for her. You see it? Because be evil as people eat pan her for no reason. I never tell a lie. You see it in a real life. So, very pretty little girl. And the mother is on her way to church while he's uh, making the video. You're going to church to do what? What what are we going to church to do? To ask for forgiveness of our sins? And then you're going to come back and commit the same sin again? No different from what Charles has done, huh? No different. Well, you know, moments where um, you're supposed to respect your parents, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and especially to to be able to uh, join the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> when time is time, <clears throat> when it honor thy mother and father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You call yourself a Christian. The little girl told you good morning and not even to say good morning, my dear, or good morning and call her by her name. Now, let us say the child is not your son's. The fact that he has embraced this child as his own, it's his decision. You don't respect your child's decision to love and care for this child whom he has embraced as his own. You know, when I came across the video and I showed it to Marlon, I said, I I repeated this comment, not in the exact words, but I remember months or possibly years ago, I heard this, but I want to feel it was months ago, sometime last year, possibly. Women are responsible for the degradation of society to a large degree. I was like, whoa, hold on now. You need us to bring life into this world, but yet we turn around and destroy life. And you might say, how are we destroying life? This young lady, for example. If we are the nurturers, regardless of whose child it is, aren't we supposed to nurture and lead and uplift? So, We talk about how easy it is for men within the Caribbean, within Jamaica, to walk away from a woman when she says she's pregnant. And here is a perfect reason why. Now, bear in mind, your name wouldn't call if you never got it. So let's get that straight. If you never got it, your name wouldn't call. 
And yes, I understand the statistics that were revealed last year, but that's not what we're going to hone in on. How easy it is for a man to walk away from a woman when she says she's pregnant and say, I'm a femipitna that in us, a try to find the father. Because mothers are telling their sons that I'm not a feel pitna that a jacket that make a girl boyfriend yourself. Check yourselves, mothers. What kind of mother are you? What, because it was done to you, you do it back to somebody else? If you're bitter, seek help. And then you're dressed up, stepping out to church in your highest heels and looking so circumspect and well put together. But take off the clothes and wrap up yourself in sackcloth and ashes and bow down by your knees and ask for forgiveness. Moments. Did you say you, <laughs> the person, the the young man posted that video yeah he put you know what let me see if i can pull it up on my phone here and pin the link at the top yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah oh okay it's gonna do a whole lot of bunch okay I i'll send you the link i'll send it yeah well dressed beautiful woman his mother is a very attractive woman and the daughter is attractive too So you see, we have work to do, folks. We talk about the state of society when we are the ones that have created the state of society. We, the parents. And it goes on. It's a cycle. And we keep blaming and blaming and blaming in start of, instead of starting to acknowledge and fix, repair, so we can move forward healthy. No. Even if Deep down inside of you, you believe that's not your son's child and you have that conversation with him. Do not show the bad face to the child. The pit not do you not. The child is innocent in all of this. Sometimes the reason mothers take that stance is because they don't like the woman that got pregnant for their son. How many times have we seen it on Mari Povic too and other shows where they, they do DNA testing? Where it's actually their child. But because I don't like the mother, I don't like that girl, I don't like her, I can't stand her. What has the child, the offspring, done to you? Instead of being a light, being a beacon, no. A beacon of love, no. We're beacons of hate. And that's how it starts. That's how it starts, folks, at home. And then it spreads into our communities, our cities, our states, our countries, and across the world. Mm -hmm. If another mother told their son, when you were pregnant, that I care for your pitney and you got through it and you have the baby and you, you got through everything for raising the pitney upon your own and everything. Don't turn around and do it to somebody else because you know what it felt like. You know what you went through. Stop being ignorant and behaving as though you're illiterate and have no sense. And then you hold up your head and go to church. Which church? You, you, you know, my, um, 
moments. I, I think it's paralysis of the trauma. And I'm speaking from my own experience when it comes to um, bringing a child in the world and she wasn't accepted by the other side until later on. And it was because they were paralyzed with their fear and with their anger and with their ignorance, right? I, I And I had to be cautious when they came out of that mindset to even allow my child around them because you never know how someone is going to act. Mm -hmm. And even with my own mother, the way I was brought up, I think she, now that I'm thinking about it, you get so locked into being one way, you're just afraid to step into the light. So you just stay there. It's like a paralysis and it's a shame. And I think a lot of people, not even just women, a lot of people walk through life that way. You're right. Thank you, Javette. So we need to heal. We have a lot of healing to do. A lot of healing. But the only way we can heal is if we recognize, number one. Number two, acknowledge. Right? So we have to recognize that there is a problem with us. Acknowledge that there is a problem with us. And be desirous of fixing the issue. Of healing. Healing. We can't undo what has already, be, has already been done. But we can change the way we move forward. Now let us say a DNA test ha is done and, you know, finds out that it's not his child. But he still chooses to remain a part of that child's life. Why are you hating the child? Why? Why are you doing that? Fear the people, the wickedest woman on planet. Fear the, my mother that. Yeah, man. The woman who refused to talk to my daughter. And she fixes her stockings. Come from foreign last night. And my daughter opened the gate and tell her good morning. And she looked right at the pit in the eye. And walked right past and didn't even say hello. Yeah, man, see there? I tell the people, when you pray for your little girl here now, pray for her. Is it? Because be a evil as people eat panar for no reason. I never tell a lie. They it in a real life. And then when that little girl grows up to be somebody, <laughs> the stone that the builder refuse. Y'all know that saying, right? The stone that the builder refuse. Becomes the what? <laughs> Wait for it. That little girl, I pray she grows up to be somebody. And when she becomes that somebody, that the said grandmother denies her 
just the same. But I also pray that that little girl in her heart will forgive her grandmother for denying her. Yeah. I pray that she forgives her grandmother because she might be the only one who will be able to save her grandmother, look after her grandmother. And the grandmother is going to get old if she, if she lives. And she's going to need somebody to look after her. Careful, folks. Be careful. Be careful. Angels don't always come the way we expect. And for our In My Opinion piece, could the African Union push Israel into international isolation? African states have led the charge against apartheid before, and they could also spearhead the boycott of Israel today. This opinion piece is courtesy of Patrick Gattara, who is a communications consultant, writer, and award-winning political cartoonist based in Nairobi. This article is courtesy of Al Jazeera. Even by the low standards of a country used to being regularly condemned for human rights abuses, disregarding international law and committing war crimes, February was a pretty bad month for Israel and its standing in the world. From revelations about its companies subverting democratic elections across the globe to this week's scenes of illegal settlers protected by its army, carrying out a program against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank town of Huwara, the country has had its true face exposed to the world in a cruel and meticulous fashion. At the opening ceremony of the African Union's annual summit, held at its headquarters in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, two weeks ago, there was another nasty surprise and more humiliation in store for the Jewish state. Ambassador Sharon Barley, the deputy director of the African Division of Israel's Ministry, of foreign affairs was booted out after turning up, brandishing a non-transferable invitation that had supposedly been issued to Israel's ambassador to the African Union, Aleli Admasu. A video posted on social media showed uniformed security personnel escorting her out of the auditorium and Mausa Faki, chairperson of the AU, followed up with a clarification that Israel's controversial 2021 accreditation as an observer state, which it had pursued for two decades, had actually been suspended, and we did not invite Israeli officials to our summit. Even worse to come, according to a draft declaration on the situation in Palestine and the Middle East circulated among reporters at the end of the summit, the AU not only expressed full support for the Palestinian people in their legitimate struggle against the Israeli occupation, decrying the unceasing illegal settlements and Israel's intransience, but significantly urged member states to end all direct and indirect trade, scientific and cultural exchanges with the state of Israel. This latter recommendation, which echoes the demands of the boycott, divestment, sanctions movement, if implemented, could be the start of a change in Israel's fortunes, not just on the continent, but across the globe. After all, Africa is no stranger to leading a global movement seeking to isolate and pressure oppressive ethno-supremacist regimes, 
having led one targeting the apartheid regime in South Africa in the 1980s. And in fact, the draft declaration calls on the international community to dismantle and prohibit the Israeli system of colonialism and apartheid. That's tough talk. But whether any action is likely to follow up is in the air. The relationship between Africa and Israel is complex and has fluctuated further. The AU's stance on relations with Israel and the foreign policies of its individual members do not always align. While Israel's, um, I'm sorry, the screen is jumping here. Just waiting for it to settle back down. While Israel's actions towards its neighbors have been a major irritant, they are far from the only consideration for African nations. And in the last 21 years, the AU has tended to be more principled, while its member nations have been more pragmatic. Initially, Israel cultivated close ties with newly independent African countries as a way to counter the isolation and hostility imposed on it by its Arab neighbors. In the 1960s, more than 1,800 Israeli experts were running development programs on the continent, and by 1972, Israel hosted more African embassies than Britain. It had established diplomatic relations with 32 of the 41 independent African states, which were also members of the Organization of African Unity, the forerunner to the AU, founded in 1963. For much of this period, attempts by the northern African nations led by Egypt to gain backing for the Arab cause for the rest of Africa had been largely unsuccessful. The relatively young nations not wanting to become enmeshed in the conflict. But attitudes began to change following the 1967 Arab-Israeli War. African reactions to the conflict were mixed with some countries such as apartheid South Africa and Ethiopia, which was initially critical, expressing support for Israel and others siding with the Arab states. Overall, however, many African leaders with memories of colonialism's acquisition of land by force still fresh viewed Israel's actions dimly. And on June 8th, as the fighting was ongoing, the OAU condemned Israel's unprovoked aggression and called for an immediate ceasefire. However, the real capture came in the 1970s and especially following the 1973 October War. By then, despite resistance from many countries, the troubles in the Middle East had been inching up the continent's agenda and generating rifts within a continent that valued consensus and solidarity. At its 1971 summit, the OAU made a half-hearted and ultimately ineffectual attempt to mediate between the Arabs and the Israelis, calling for negotiations and appointing a committee led by a Tanzanian president to oversee its efforts. Between March 1972 and the outbreak of war in October 1973, eight African countries broke off relations with Israel. At the 10th anniversary meeting, tensions over the issue burst into the open. The October war and the resulting oil embargo by Arab states that drove up global oil prices changed that calculus. By November, all but four African states, Malawi, Lesotho, Swaziland and Mauritius, had abandoned Israel, which thereafter only made matters worse 
by cultivating a close relationship with the, with the apartheid regime in South Africa, to mo a move that continues to poison its relations with the continent to this day. Despite the restoration of ties in the 1980s and 1990s, Israel has never regained the stature it had enjoyed two decades prior. While today it has diplomatic relations with more than 40 countries on the continent, it remains locked out of the AU and the vast majority of the 54 African votes at the UN General Assembly are still reliably pledged to the Palestinians. The push in recent years to improve ties has borne some fruit, but has also come up against the tide of history. The fact is, the situation today is akin to that in 1973, with the continent split over how to respond to Israeli oppression, with countries balancing a principled op opposition to apartheid with pragmatic economic and security cooperation. However, a major crisis could shift the balance in favor of the former, with an internal assessment by the Israeli foreign minister concluded in July of that year, rings true half a century later. Israel's image as an occupier, its refusal to withdraw from all territories, are not acceptable in Africa, and the Arab demands receive emotional and instinctive support even amongst our friends. There is a danger that these trends will continue to escalate. The events in Addis this February were an indicator of that. The views expressed in this article are the author's own and do not necessarily reflect those of Al Jazeera, QMZ Radio, Jano Radio, or Moments with Me Media. Ay, ay, ay. If this were to be pursued, I will tell you this much. Wait for the U.S. to impose sanctions on every African nation that goes against Israel. Israel is allowed to do whatever they want to do. And every country has to bow down and accept it and fall in line. And you dare not say anything against it. Are we not hypocrites then? Why can't, or l let me ask the question, what makes Israel exempt from everything else? Huh? If another country goes in and takes over someone else's territory, there's a problem, right? Why is it that Israel is, the Israelites are able to do that? And we should allow them to do as they please. And not only that, treat people as they please. Because, and this is why I will question. I raise questions. The Israelites are technically the Jews, right? And you are are able to go there depending on which country you're from you're able to go there and become a jew and you're protected you're safe and from my recollection in the bible they are supposed to treat people well right 
th that's their instruction from God. That if any foreigner comes into their territory, they are supposed to treat them well. Because remember, you two were once foreigners in their land. But it seems as though they have forgotten that. They have forgotten. And they select whom they want to treat well. But with the responsibility of being God's chosen people, or let me rephrase that, with being selected as God's chosen people, you also have a huge responsibility. God gave you the instructions of how you are to exist. So why aren't you existing in accordance with his instruction to you? And I don't think they realize that this is the reason why the, everyone has an issue with them. We don't have an issue. Well, I don't have an issue with you being God's chosen people. What I have an issue with is how you mistreat others. And you're selective with whom you want to treat well. You welcome some, you don't welcome others. That's what I have an issue with. You are not a representation of what you ought to be. That is what I have an issue with. And then you cry, woe is me, when others do to you what you do to them. And everybody around the world under the, the um, instruction and the dictatorship of the U.S. has to bow down and fear you. But you keep forgetting the instructions you were given. I don't get it. Wait moments. Who told them that they were chosen? I don't know. Moses. Oh. Handed oh, down okay. that instruction by God. I don't know. They're God's chosen people. That's what it says in the Bible. I don't know. The Bible, the Bible. Right? I know God instructed Moses to go and get them out of Egypt because they were enslaved, right? Because remember, if you remember the story of Moses, Moses had killed somebody, ran into the wilderness, and God sent him back and blase, 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 right? And he went there, and that is how, um, remember, he went to Pharaoh how many times and so on and so forth, and God took them out of there and brought them to the promised land. Moses didn't make it into the promised land, though. And Moses didn't, he took them to it, but he didn't make it into it. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you are going to proclaim to be the chosen people of God, and if you are going to live your lives in accordance with God's instruction, I suggest you go back to the instructions you were given and don't pick out what suits you, but abide by everything. Right? Just as this country to, you know, <laughs> give me your poor, your disenfranchised, your this, your that. We don't, we don't believe in that. I don't know why we say it because we definitely don't believe in it. We're not a country that welcomes people with open arms and even those who were welcomed forget that they were welcomed and cry out for block the borders right 
that part. Oh, ye hypocrites. Yeah, but, but moments, if, if you go back to the Bible, like this is not nothing new, right? This is nothing new. They have always been like that since Bible days, right? <laughs> they have always treated, um, you know, other groups different, right? So it's, it, it, it's not like it's something new, like from, yeah, from even, even you know, before, before they were in, in Egypt, they treated people the same way. After they left Egypt, they treated people the same way. So it, it's nothing new. <laughs> it's nothing new. It's what, it's what they do. So I don't know. I guess I guess chosen to them mean like, you know, they're favored and they're better than other groups. So they, they have the right to treat other groups however they please. That, that's, how, that's how it's always been. Ah, Donnell. Thank you, James. Thank you, Javette. Donnell said in the chat. Oh, let me go back first. Geely said they also don't take, um, don't take too kindly with the Ethiopian Jews. Ethiopia has the largest population of black Jews. It's all about color, huh? Who is closest to white? <laughs> Donnell said, so if God gave Israel instructions and Allah gave the Palestinians instructions, who got the right instructions now aren't god and allah whatever you want to call them aren't they this all the same person or the same spirit nasa all you know what i always um find amusing and i shouldn't say amusing but you know what i mean uh donald is when everybody's praying to win a race but only one person can win the race what 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 what, what do they say after they lose Or is everybody praying to a different God and my God is stronger than your God? That's why I won. So if you're not a Christian, is the Jews still um, God-chosen people, the Israelites? And is there any other history book where they are chosen outside of the Bible? Or we use the Bible to validate the Bible? Just asking. Yeah, you're right, brother. Yeah. Uh, there's no other. It's just the Bible they won't go off for. Uh, and that is why um, you can't really have a debate with them, Christians or Jews, because them can't go outside of the Bible. And like you who is not a Christian, you can't go outside of the Bible and use other um, uh, books or what other ways of getting information. Them, it, if, 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 if they cannot do it because it's like they don't know of nothing else and that are the only thing them have to prove what them have to say. So it's like it, it's like a waste of time for kind of have debates with them, for, for, you know what I mean. That's why I'm so sometimes when they have like the the the, the black Israelites them out there upon the streets and I try for you know what I mean. Them the, 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 the Jews and like in New York I go back and forth and even other people, you know what I mean. Even 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 them go back and the same black Israelites they see them go back and forth with like um. Uh, uh, persons like myself, you know what I mean, uh, Riza Islam, <laughs> Dr. Omar Johnson, uh, Brother Polite, them cannot go outside the Bible. And every time we say, okay, so what other reference you have, you know, for proof what you say away from them Bible, it's like them stuck on them. But, all right, or, okay, uh, so in this chapter, I say, okay, so give me something outside of the Bible. What other reference? But I give you so many other reference, me even tell you something I can take you to, e to, to Africa. To Egypt, you know what I mean? 
show you how much um, writings on the wall, all these stuff. What other reference do you have to validate what you say? But in this scripture, so it's like it's a waste of time. It's, it's, it's a complete waste of time. They don't have another reference but the Bible. <laughs> you know, I would implore everyone to do this one simple thing. Whether you believe or you don't believe, whatever you choose to believe, I will say this. I remember, I am a Christian. I remember what it says in the old in the New Testament. Jesus said, Of all the commandments, this one I leave with you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you know why he picked out that one? Because we, we are a self-loving people, aren't we? We love ourselves. We think of ourselves highly. We think we're more important than everybody else. This is my interpretation. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. And because you love yourself so much, you're not going to do any harm to yourself, right? I'm not going to offend you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to mistreat you. Because I'm not going to do any of that to myself. So if I don't do it to myself, then I won't do it to you. I should not do it to you. And that is the greatest commandment. And if we all abided by that commandment, there'd be no war. There'd be no hunger. There'd be no homelessness. There'd be no poverty. There'd be nothing. Everyone would be one big happy family. But because we don't practice that simple rule of living, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we have news, <laughs> right? We have news. It is what it is. You know, one of the things that I've always struggled with is that there are over 600 books that was written. And I'm wondering why, the, why so many books have been left off, you know? <laughs> and and why the selective the selective books that we get the King James the, the you know the King James version with the Matthew Mark Luke John this uh, what what happened to you know like the book of Mary Magdalene and you know book of those Enoch. other books those other books um you know Jezebel like Jezebel like all these books that were left off you know Judas the book of Judas why was that left off too you know all these books are important so. You know, who selected the ones that are in the Bible today? And, you know, as we can see, like, you know, like saying stuff like, um, you have to take the Bible with a grain of salt 20 years ago was like blasphemous and you could probably go to hell for it. <laughs> but, but today, when you see the different versions of the Bible, where you see the Bible change like the dictionary almost every two years, no, we have a right to say, like, okay, we have to take it to the grain of salt because, you know, 600-something books were left off. The language keeps changing, like, every 10 years. Now it's changing almost every year. So, you know, what do we believe in? What do we, you know? So, I don't know. I just believe that, you know, like, as a lot of people say, like, you know, like, relationship with God is a personal relationship and I, I believe that mm -hmm. the same way how God 
you know, inspired men to write the book. Like, he can put that inspiration in all of us. And, yeah, because we just live in a confused world, you know, because religion has been the most div divisive part of our history. And, it, and, and if God is love, that don't make any sense, right? Hmm. You know, if, you, if, 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 if you're loved, then um, your word, your um, life should not be dividing, you know, because, like, at the end of the day, when, when you live in a multicultural society and you get to know everybody, like, you know, moving from Jamaica was one of the best things that happened to me because I'm seeing, like, Filipinos. I'm seeing, like, Muslims. Like, I'm seeing, like, I see, like, I have this guy that, it's, it's, it's like a Muslim guy. He's an inspiration to me. The way he's been with his wife for over 40 years from school. And hearing all these stuff about how Muslim men treat women and women are secondary and... To look at this guy that became an inspiration to me, I'm like, whether you're Muslim, you're Jew, you're Hindu, you're whatever, there are amazing people all over the world. And I believe that we just need to open up and just learn, um, get to know people and judge them based on what they show us, not based on what media is telling us and the world is showing us. We're all human beings. We all love our family the same way. We, you know, they're good and bad. Christians are good. Christians are bad. Dreadlocks are good. Dreadlocks are bad. So, you know, that's just my take. And I'll just say this and move on. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think about that. Don't just repeat it. Live it. And that is how we're going to heal the world. No one is better than anyone, regardless of your color, age, sex, religious beliefs none of it matters love is what should matter and if we embrace that and live that the world would be so much more of a better place we wouldn't be killing off each other we really wouldn't all right next up stories out of north america two dead six injured after shooting at Georgia House Party with over 100 teens in attendance. Two people were killed and six, other were in, six others excuse me, were injured after shooting at a house party in Douglas County, Georgia on Saturday that had more than 100 teenagers in attendance, the police are saying, according to CNN. Officials said the shooting stemmed from a confrontation at the house party in Douglasville, a city which is about 20 miles west of Atlanta. The Douglas County Sheriff's Office, DCSO, asked that anyone with information about the assailant to contact its office's information about the incident is very limited. Wounded partygoers were seen in neighboring yards after the shooting. The owner of the home told WXIA they held a Sweet 16 party for their daughter and they chose to end the party at 10 p.m claiming some of the attendees were smoking marijuana. It's unclear whether there were any adults present at the time of the shooting, which the owner told WXIA happened in a cul-de-sac outside the home. DCSO said the incident remains a very active investigation. Severe storms in southern U.S. kill at least nine people, according to Al Jazeera News. Storms producing tornadoes and heavy rains have rolled through parts of the southern United States, killing at least nine people and leaving more than one million customers without power, according to authorities. 
The National Weather Service said the powerful storm had mostly left the south of the country by late Friday and was moving to the northeastern U.S., where it was forecast to cause heavy snow and sleet from southeastern Michigan east to New York State. Parts of central New York and southern New England may have seen more than a foot of snow by Saturday afternoon. Maurice Hastings has finally been declared innocent after serving 38 years for a murder he did not commit. Story courtesy of CNN.com. Maurice Hastings, a man wrongfully convicted of a 1983 robbery, homicide, and sexual assault, has been declared innocent by a California judge. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge William C. Ryan formally declared Hastings factually innocent and declared the arrest and prosecution from his criminal record during a Wednesday hearing, according to a news release from California State University of Los Angeles. It means a lot. I'm grateful for the judge's ruling and the apologies. Everything has been wonderful today, he said during a news conference after the ruling. I'm ready to move forward with my life. I'm a happy man right now. Hastings is 49 years, is, I'm sorry, is 69 years old, meaning he went in at 31. He was freed from prison in October after DNA from the 1983 attack identified another suspect. He had been serving a life sentence for the crime, despite the fact that witnesses supported his alibi during the time of the murder and no physical evidence linked him to the scene. An oral swab from a sexual assault kit collected shortly after the attack was finally tested in June 2020. Hold on there one second. Finally tested in 2022? The attack happened 30, 30 years prior, and you're only... This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. How can an oral swab from a sexual assault kit be collected shortly after the attack only be tested 30 years later? The DNA conclusively ruled out Hastings and pointed instead to Kenneth Packnett, who died in... So the person who was supposed to serve the time, dead, dead and gone. Died in 2020. Granted, he was... That person died while serving a prison sentence, but still... And the prison sentence they were serving was for kidnapping and rape, but still... During the hearing, a deputy district attorney, Martha Carrillo, issued Hastings a long overdue apology on behalf of the Los Angeles district, Attor district Attorney's Office. She said, I'm sorry, very sorry for the injustice, the great injustice that my office and the criminal justice system perpetrated upon you. There's a lot to be learned from that, she said. We're humbled by the lesson and we'll take it to heart. I know that it's not enough to say I'm sorry for 38 years in prison and I realize that and I'm humbled. Carrillo apologized for not heeding Hastings' previous requests 
for DNA testing on the evidence. I was going to ask this. Why was not? Why, I'm sure some attorney or attorneys must have requested the testing on the DNA evidence. Why was it not? Carilla, would you like to go or, or, or whoever denied it? Would they like to go and sit in jail for the next 38 years? How would you all like to sit in jail for 38 years because you denied a request for DNA testing on the evidence that was provided? How would your behind like to sit in jail for 38 years and feel what this man felt? Have yourself removed from yourselves removed from your family. Robbed of 38 years of your life. Previous requests denied. You have the evidence in your hand for 30 freaking years. More than 30 years, I should say. Where's my maths? I'm sorry. I'm losing it. Because he served 38 years. You've had the evidence for freaking 38 years and refused to test the DNA evidence that would have cleared this man and he would have been able to live his life with his family. You robbed him for 38 years because the system refused to test the DNA that they had in their presence. It's not as though they didn't have it, they had it. They just refused to test it and now you're gonna say you're sorry what are you sorry for we, we say yes you need to apologize but whew, you can't give him back those 38 years you can't give back his family those 38 years birthdays a job freedom the right to live as a decent citizen. I'm happy he has a different frame of mind. He just wants to enjoy the rest of his life. He feels vindicated. It's tough when, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I have to give it to him. For him to be able to move forward with a positive outlook. After 38 years of wrongful incrimination. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, his name is Maurice Hastings. Maurice Hastings. Am I grateful that he has been cleared? Yes. Silver lining, folks. Silver lining. Am I grateful? Yes. Am I thankful that this should be an awakening for more cases to come forward so that more people who are wrongfully serving time can be freed? Yes. And it is my hope that out of this case and more cases that we've, other cases we've heard about and more to come, because there's more to come. Just saying it. More to come. Many more to come. I hope that it will now force, force, excuse me, the entire judicial system, meaning from police all the way up to judge, 
will take a different stance on how cases are handled and seek to ensure that all DNA collected is tested. And you know, just hold a, hold a man for hold a man's sake because you got to pin it on somebody. Because you have to meet your quota. That's, that's what it is. It's, the, it's a statistical game that has ruined the lives of many folks. And I don't care about the color of a person's skin. Because it's not just black people alone in jail serving time for crimes that they have commit, not committed. For anyone who is sitting in jail for a crime that they have not committed, they ought to be set free. Due diligence needs to happen. Male, female, child. Due diligence needs to happen. Get away from this mentality where I just need to pin it on somebody because I need my numbers. Go ahead, Afo. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, it's not just um, black people um, alone, you know what I mean, get placed in a prison system. Um, and then they commit a crime. However, uh, the fact remains that it's most black folks I'm trying to do that with. You know what I mean? It's all done on design, mash up the, the black family, tear the family apart, all that stuff, throw them in a jail, uh, these private jails, uh, cause slavery done. So, how oh, we can come up with that next way of uh, get back these people, you know what I mean? You know, and be a well, slavery modern day slavery type of system like and make them make with millions if not billions of dollars so yeah uh, mostly black folks and that way you get what I say um, and them do with again them do with a few non-black folks as well but them target are mostly black people as well as for me them quota as well you know what I mean so it's all done on design um, that's how them create them system for a bit so I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <sighs> a U.S. federal agency suing Exxon after five nooses were found. Remember we spoke about this last week. Well, a U.S. federal agency is now suing Exxon. Yeah. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Opportunity Commission. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you, Ethel. I, I guess I'm just <laughs> no, man, you're good, man. I'm upset about the whole situation that I think I want to say at least once a month or every other month, I've read a story that's similar where someone gets is freed. Like, all of them are always black, don't it? When you, every time yeah, I read it, yeah. all of them are always yeah. black. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. of them, they're mostly target. So we just start keep it real, we'll keep it gutter. I'm mostly them, them target. So sad. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, a federal agency, said it was suing ExxonMobil after several nooses were discovered at the company's complex in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The EEOC said ExxonMobil failed to take action after a black employee discovered a noose at his workstation at the chemical plant in January 2020. At the time, it was the fourth noose uncovered at the Baton Rouge site, and a fifth was found at the end of that year. ExxonMobil allegedly investigated some but not all of the prior incidents and failed to take measures reasonably calculated to end the harassment which resulted in a racially hostile work environment. That's according to the EEOC statement on Thursday. 
ExxonMobil's lack of action, the federal agency alleges, was a violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And it's time for sports news. NBA's Moran suspended after at for at least two games after gun video. NBA team Memphis Grizzlies from the U.S. Um, state of Tennessee has suspended Jay Morant for at least the next two games after he was seen displaying what appeared to be a gun at a nightclub on his Instagram Live. The NBA spokesman said the league was aware of the post and was investigating. Morant apologized later on Saturday, adding that he planned to take some time away he said i take full responsibility for my actions i'm respo- i'm sorry to my family teammates coaches fans partners the city of memphis and the entire grizzlies organization for letting you down i'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being the 23 year old all-star player was the subject of a washington post article this week that said he had um, been accused in police reports of punching a teenager repeatedly. In interviews with the police, the teen said that after their altercation, Morant went into his house and re-emerged with a gun visible in the waistband of his pants. Morant told police he swung first, but felt he was acting in self-defense after the teenager threw a basketball that hit him in the head, later making a comment that Morant found threatening. In police records, the unnamed teen accused Morant of punching him 12 to 13 times. Morant also allegedly made threats against the head of security at a Memphis mall, which led to the filing of a police report. Morant is averaging 27.1 points, 8.2 assists, and 6.0 rebounds in 53 games this season for the Grizzlies, who are currently... uh, in second in the Western Conference. The suspension means he will miss Sunday's game against the Clippers and Tuesday's game against the Lakers. And I must say this, and I'm going to pass the mic on. Too much money, too young. Yes, I said it. And that too much money, too young is putting the burden and the responsibility on them. They are now the breadwinners, right? And taking on that role in the family now allows them to be the parent. Yes, you may not you may not agree, but it does. The roles have now switched. I am taking care of you, so it's now do as I say, right? I you can't tell me what to do anymore. I'm grown. I'm the money maker, and because we want to appease them. We allow them to do as they please. We don't put them in check, put them in timeout and say, hey, 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 I don't care how much money you're making. I am still the parent. But then again, you have parents who look at their children as meal tickets. And that is a huge problem. Your child is not your meal ticket. Your child is your child. Now, if they happen to be successful in life they are still not your meal ticket your responsibility is to still parent that child but i get it everybody's looking for a way out and then you get that big break instead of educating yourselves 
and understanding that with much comes much responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. Too often young people come into a lot of money, are in the spotlight. For some it changes who they are. For some it highlights who they really are. We need to ground our young folks. We need to stop being frightened for this money. Go ahead. I know someone opened their mic. I was not looking. Yeah, that was me. Go ahead, James. Yeah, so I think, personally, I think the, well, I think the suspension is going to be longer. I think it, it has to be longer, too. It has to be. It has to be longer because... One of the things that um, people are not really talking about that most people that don't really follow the NBA like very closely is that they have a gun policy in the NBA um, that you have to abide by. And he would have violated it because this game was an away game. So it's not like he was in Memphis and he could say like he went home and he picked up his gun or what, whatever. He was away. So... They're going to be investigating, like, how do you have a gun on a away game? You know, how did he get there? It's not like in Memphis, right? Um, and plus, this is like about five or so allegations. And what's happening too at the same time is like, what I see happening is like the NBA is pushing to make him the face of the franchise because LeBron James is on like kind of stepping back now. They're looking for a face. That face was supposed to be Zion Williams. He can't keep healthy. Um, one of the arguments that's happening in the NBA now is that the, the three best players in the NBA are international. And there's this big debate going on, like with the almost like prejudice treatment of international player. And international players can't be like a Luka Dantich, cannot be the face. A Giannis, who's, who most people see as the best player in the league cannot be the face of the league because he's not an American born. And the irony too is that um, John Moran got the deal that was taken away from Kyrie Irving from Nike. So what does Nike do now? Because like, if, if the lawsuit goes through and you have to settle outside of court or they're going to take it all the way with this 17-year-old, this is bad publicity for Nike. This is bad publicity for a few other endorsements that he got recently. So it's going to be very interesting because people are now looking at it and saying, okay, Kyrie got eight-game suspension. Um, what's going to happen in this case now where, you know, like th this is like five stuff now and, and it was being ignored until the Instagram live with a gun. Pretty much ignored because he was playing game as normal. They might have been talking behind the scene because that investigation has been going on, but he was still able to play. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happened. But I feel it, it's going to be minimum 8 to 10, I, I think. All right. Thank you, James. So to the chat real quick. MD said he is young, and I have to agree. He will learn from this. I, have, I hope he does. Um, he will be all right. I believe so, too. We need to have more grace on our young people. Yes, we do. So you know who I turn the blame on? The people they surround themselves with. How are we, are we helping or hurting them? Because you're having young people who are stepping into 
So a pressure, it, it's a pressure pack. That's not, you're stepping into a pressure cooker, right? It is what it is. It's, the, it's, it's how it is. It has always been that way. You're stepping into, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, any, any major sport, right? And you're all over the place and cameras in your face and the hype. Who is keeping you grounded? Who is helping you to unpack some of that stress? Or are the people around you packing on more stress because they somebody's mic is open and I'm not looking at my um, screen. Now they are packing on additional stress on you because they need you to look after them, right? So we have to be careful as parents, when, as our children make that journey, we need to check ourselves too. And don't be afraid to check your child and say, hey, these people you have around you are not good for you. You need to separate yourself. Don't worry about them not liking you. Would you rather them like you and you lose everything that you've worked hard for? Or would you rather you have everything that you've worked hard for and they not like you? You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to know when to break away. You can't take everybody with you. And certain behaviors you have to let go off. And I'm done speaking. Someone had their mic open. Please go right ahead. Yes. Good afternoon to everybody. Good afternoon, uh, Fabian. Yes, yes. Boy, this case is really troubling. Very talented young man. You know, the natural assumption is that the parents are not doing their job. They're not having these late night talks with their children when, in fact, we don't know this. Um, what is the appeal? If you're having this conversation with your child who's making upwards of $150 million, what is your argument? What is your appeal to your child? I'm still the parent. I don't care. I don't care how much money you have. My my job is to groom you. Right, right. But beyond that, you you've raised them the right way. They've listened up until a certain point. Uh, they have maybe brought some people in their circle that uh, don't have their best interests in mind. But what power do we have from that point on is what I'm saying. That's a good question. Anybody? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just posing a question to anybody. No, you're, that's a, that a is parent. a good question. As a parent, Wait. anybody? Because that's a tough situation to be in. And what, what I don't like is... I think Javette was about to, re uh, to respond, yeah. um, Fabian. Right, right. I just want to add this. Uh, what we have now is these uh, black talk show hosts coming on, these former athletes that are saying they can relate to Ja Morant because they did the gang banging back in the day. Jalen Rose came on today and said as such. And I'm like, you know, we know a small part of the story. Uh -huh. But to make that jump that this young man is a gangbanger because of my band, and, and trust me, it's easy to make assumptions. But for these black talk show host sports guys, especially to come on and, and already saying that pretty much I went down this road before. Uh -huh. Yes, it's three or four or five. And I get it. 
But it's funny how them just trot out these guys every single time hmm. to start talking about gangbanging and this young man. And he showed nothing like this in college. Yes, the past couple of months has been tumultuous, but we need to stop with this. We need to stop aiding and abetting this BS. But in all fairness, um, Fabian, before I turn to what is Javed, you know, we only see what is exposed to us. Do we really know the secret lives of folks? But, no, we don't. Yeah, but that's so, what I'm saying. It, it, it's reckless for us to make these assumptions and just and just and just smear him and say him gangbanging, ray, 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 and all this stuff. All we know is is this what allegedly happened. Yes, the video was fact, but outside of that, these are allegations. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm not saying you know. Obviously, it looks bad, but for as I said, these talk shows, then we could just chill with that stuff. So, what do we say to Moran because he displayed the behavior, and that is why he's being talked about? What do we say to him? Well, I tell you what, uh, Mr. Jalen Rose, if you care about young people, if you care about uh, young black people, how about you picking up the damn phone and calling this young man instead of just grandstanding on, on ESPN? How about that? All right. Fair enough. Thank you, Fabian. Go right ahead, Javette. So for me, having a parent of an adult now, I'm going to never, I'm not going to ever stop parenting. I'm not going to ever stop suggesting. I'm not going to ever stop pointing my child in a direction with people that are positive, that if she don't want to listen to me, because we all know once they get a certain age, what your, what your mother says is not important, but maybe somebody else can say the same thing and they hear it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But as a parent, I'm going to never stop. And even if that means that if they're not taking the action, I'm going to take the action to try to bring people around my child that I know are positive. And I'm not going to say that is always going to work, but I'm going to never stop parenting. I'm 50 something years old and my mother still parents me. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club. Okay. Join the club. And my mother okay. will spin my so head right I'm going to never stop parenting. And I do agree with you, Fabian. There is a lot of us that has went through things in life, but some of us don't know how to help that next person. Or some of us don't know how to take the step to just be a part of that person. And a lot of it is changing, changing the way you speak and think as well. I have to do that as well. But for me, I intentionally go out and volunteer so I can stay in the know as well as give back. So you have, you as a person have to have that mindset to give back, but we can't reach everybody. All right, hold on, Javette. Let me go ahead and wrap up on air. Please bear with me one to two moments here. I want to give a big thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZ.
azradio.com and everyone listening on janoradio.com also a big thank you to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse that's where the conversation happens on moments with me and you were listening to coffee in tow world news on the go remember to tune in every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views Coming up later on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, please set your alarms. It is Days After Dark Real Relationship Talk. Join the crew as we break down communication, love, intimacy, friendship, and finance. 10 p.m. Eastern, set your alarms live on QMZRadio.com, JohnOradio.com, and the conversation goes down on Clubhouse. This is Moments with me, signing out of QMZ Radio and JohnNoRadio.com. This was a Moments with me media production.